<laughs> Let her rip. All aboard. You have joined on the fly. A the VP, VP experience. experience. Yeah, we wouldn't be able to record our podcast if we social distance. It's hard to separate a gay couple. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> speak, Put the laptop speak, on the other side of the room. Speak for yourself. You wouldn't be able to hear us. So um, last time, I think it was pretty, the recording was, was kind of quiet. That's better. You got us now? Still got us? Clear, loud and clear. Yeah, you awesome. sound beautiful, man. Holy cow. Is this what we used last time? We, no, what we did was we tried to go off my phone or something. It just seems better. Yeah. And I don't know if it was just a connection at the time or what it was, but we then uh, transferred over to FaceTime and the quality visually wasn't as well. And, Look at it, the, uh, and it was quiet. Right. It was so quiet. Sure. Iron Reagan. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's great. Um, wait, 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 we should get a picture. Is it cool we get a picture of that? Yeah, I, don't well, know I can send you one if you want. We should take a, what we should do. There we go. Nice. Um, <laughs> I wonder if there's a way to take a screenshot of this, because we'll, we can put upload this. We already did one uh, Instagram. Are you on a Mac? Yeah, I just forget. I know there's a way to do it. I just forget. Yeah, Apple um, or Command, whatever you call Command Shift 3. All right, we'll do it here in a bit. Well, as, of, give you a screenshot. as of one minute and 25 seconds ago, we uh, I did hit the record button, so... If we if there's something thrown in here that we don't want in here, I'm just letting you guys know that we are live. Yeah. Um, Could have been that that uh, blowjob view I just gave you there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's just the uh, handy dandy as you as we talked about last time. Fi as this um, anchor app on the phone. Oh, yeah. So I'm actually recording the podcast on my phone, and cool. then we're just doing the actual chat through this hangout. So um, I don't know. I know you guys probably have a little bit more of a, maybe you guys have talked more about some topics and we're just going to kind of pick up and add on to where we left off last time, but, um, it was actually January. I just looked. It was January that we did the last one. Holy crap. (laughs) Where the hell did those three months go? Three and a half, four months. It feels like there's so much. Tell me something before we get into anything. Are you guys experiencing the same weird uh, time thing? Because I'm just, days are just. Oh no, slime, we're definitely experiencing slime. that. Yeah, like we, Brett, Brett and I asked each other like, "Wait, what is today?" And we're not even like paying attention. It's so weird. I mean, to be honest, it wasn't like it wasn't super different for me because my work schedule is constantly changing. Well, I haven't flown since March twenty first. Yeah. Um. So that's a pretty big gap for me. I guess that's what that's almost twenty is that, days. Is that a result of what's going on? Yeah, a lot of our. Uh, I mean, we're still approved to operate per the, the um, I guess, the government over here. But we just haven't seen a lot of, I mean, people aren't going to travel. We've had trips cancel. And yeah. We yeah. have had a couple trips in the past couple of days where people, I guess, were flying to other states to, to acquire PPE um, yeah. gloves and masks to bring back. There was a guy that we had contracted, uh, or he was contracted from the state of Ohio, and he chartered one of our planes to go places and you know, get the, that su- those supplies. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you know what's weird? It's not weird, actually. It's it's a complete result of what's going on. But it's, it's so quiet. I haven't heard any planes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of refreshing, though, to see. Yeah, yeah, it is. There's all kinds of. So we were talking a little bit about some of this stuff sort of yesterday in the podcast. We finally got 
back on the boat. It's kind of a, just a coincidence that we're doing podcasts back to back here. <clears throat> but we talked a little bit about that impact. Let me remove, remove my pajamas from frame. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no man, it adds character. Leave it in there. <laughs> they're, from, they're from my girlfriend. I'm sorry to interrupt. Grumpy. <laughs> Sick. Grumpy. <laughs> love it. Love it. Because I'm, I'm always grumpy. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> it's all good, man. Um, just talking about, yeah, it's pretty bizarre to see all the planes just parked at these airports. I mean, these places. I'd say these, so. These airlines just don't know what to do with them. It's kind That's of, a unique uh, point of view for you. That's something I wouldn't be able to see, you know? Well, I mean, I haven't, honestly, I haven't physically seen seen it besides pictures. Um, just like, oh, okay, okay. It, yeah, at least the airlines over here, they're literally just closing. There's some airports like Atlanta is one of the world's busiest airports and they literally have one of the runways shut down there because they don't need it. And there's literally okay. Delta airline planes just parked there. The funniest thing in just anything across the board, nobody saw this coming really, except maybe some scientists who were predicting things. That's just another conversation. This could go down a rabbit hole. Yeah, that could go down a rabbit hole. Like I always like to do. <laughs> But Fias yeah, is like, come on, let's do it, let's do it. Um, but yeah, it's nobody knew, like everybody's like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And all the people who are in management were like, we've never experienced this before ever. You know, yeah. like not like people use it like nine eleven for example, but really nine eleven only shut down half of the country. Um, yeah. Particularly, yeah. you know, when it came to most services in the U.S. and probably other parts of the, of the world too. But really, this is just like a. Uh, a gunshot across entire globe. So everybody's like, kind of like, what are we doing? Everybody's like, we're kind of trying to figure it out right now. <laughs> like, there's really nothing that we know how to do this. So yeah, it's it's pretty I've, freaking uh, wild. I've adapted somewhat. Um, the first week. It's good. Was uh, I don't panic. I try not to. You know, it doesn't uh, it doesn't do anything for you? It's, worth energy. it's a natural reaction, you know. Um, but I was um, I was sitting here late one night in the first week. And uh, I felt really constrained and, you know, claustrophobic. And uh, I'm still allowed to walk one to two kilometers from the gaff. But uh, From the what? Uh, the house. Sorry, we call it gaff. You call yeah. it a house a gaff. Okay. Yeah. What's up, you today? I, How do you spell that, by the way? I know that's a random question, but... G-A-F. Okay. That's or G-A-F-F, depending on. Because I, I don't think there's a... So, wait, there's a, there's a restriction about how far you can actually go from your house? Yeah, yeah, unless it's, you know, what they deem an essential trip, which is to go get food, which, let's be honest, I'm very grateful we can still do. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Like, the fact that all the grocery stores are still open, I mean, people, that's what I'm saying. Like, this, I mean, obviously it could be different for you, but this could be a whole lot worse where they're actually, we don't have access to food. We're just well, imagine this inside. for a second, Brent. I was reading an article on Palestine and what they're dealing with right now, and apparently this is quite similar to how they live their lives there. I'm not turning this into some kind of Israel Palestine thing. I'm, not, I'm just using it as an example of uh, being grateful for what I have. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, share and, what you uh, know because that's that's what we're talking about this stuff for. Gave me some perspective, you know, and um, it's it's teaching my family because we're all <clears throat> this is the most we've all spent with each other. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's long ass fucking time, you know. Kind of forces uh, people to do that. And our first week was really stressful, but we've. Uh, some of us haven't, but I've adapted somewhat and I'm trying to evolve, force myself to evolve a little bit. I'm accepting it. I'm trying not to let my mind go nuts because I have a 
it's not a conspiracy of mine, but I, I'm always questioning everything and I'm always analyzing everything and I'm, it drives my mother insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that's, yeah. I feel like that's one of the ways most people, and that's not the way most people are. Like, I feel like at least in the States, I don't know about there, but our governments don't want us to think and don't want us to question stuff. Oh, that's the same and so the fact that there are people out there like you that that's, that do that. Yeah, brother. And question the norm. What are the societal norms? I mean, Why put blindfolds on your eyes and live life? The government would love that. I don't know about in Ireland, but. No, it's the same everywhere. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. No, one's, no one's different. Yeah. <laughs> in that regard. Yeah. I saw Henry Kissinger calling for his new world order the other day. He thinks that's the only way this is going to get solved. Interesting. So that's I something I have to look up because I don't really know Kissinger. much about it. <laughs> Not well, you, but Henry Kissinger. <laughs> so people might hear that like, Henry, and he's like, no, 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 Henry Kissinger. I, I just, I don't know, man. I'm trying not to even think about it because, like, what can you do when something's out of control? You just let it go. I mean. I say do what you can. I mean. Control the controllables. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, just your, your immediate um, surroundings and. My friends in Gojira wrote a great song called Silvera, and it's, uh, I should send it to you guys, the lyrics are fucking incredible. I think and, you uh, might have, did you post that on your Instagram story recently? Yeah, just recently, yeah, because I was, I was listening to it, and the words just hit me again, and the chorus is, you change yourself, you change the world, so it's, it's that. Damn. Yeah, he's talking about that, that, that thing of all you can control, you know, so you just, you work on yourself. Control your variables, yeah. And what's around you, and, and, and that's all you can do, really. That's what the, you know? I think. That's a lot of what the, a lot of what the problem is. Is people are, are working on everybody, everything but themselves. They're trying to control yeah. things they can't. So what? Real quick, what'd you say? That group was from somewhere, or what was the? Oh, they're, they're French, yeah. Where are they from? They're they're from a a town in France called Biarritz. Can you spell it? B i a r i t t z. I think you might have to double check that. I'm just taking um, some notes on this stuff because I know there's things I'm going to want to remember and I'm, and I'm not and the going two, to. The two brothers um, who are the main, kind of the main writers, um, composers, the, it's the singer guitar player Joe and Mario, his brother is um, the drummer. And um, those two guys are actually half American. Wow. And uh, like their mom, she's passed now, but she was from the States. And uh, they, they grew up in France. Um, they're a band I worked with a lot, you know, and I'm, I'm working on a book on them right now. I mean, I don't know where that's going to go, but it's, it's actually one thing that's keeping my mind in check right now. Is I'm, I'm, when you say I'm working starting. on a, when you say working on a book, do you mean like writing it or reading it or what? Yeah, photography slash writing thing, you know. Um, Hybrid in a sense. We had a we had a meeting about it actually last July in Manchester in England, and um, the band loved the direction of it. They I showed them some layouts I had. And it's, it hasn't been, I haven't touched it since. Like, so that's what, nearly a year. Um, so I'm using this time to just sit down and look at it. I haven't started yet, but today was the first day since this all kicked off that I'm actually feeling a little bit more motivated. I lost all my motivation. I was struggling with that girl and what's going on, but you just gotta accept things, you know? So I've been helping my mother and just doing housework and shit. And, uh, yeah. Watching, re-watching The Walking Dead, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> so so what does that process look like now that you're getting back into it you said you left off with that project for about a year and now getting back into it what does that look like for you I mean is there like a brainstorming process you go through for writing yeah. a book or? <clears throat> so I made all these prints right of these um, I made 30 different layouts ideas of how I think it might look and that was what I showed you made, wait you made 30 different styles of layouts yeah so like wow. two, two pages you know 
Okay. Um, my girlfriend was sick of hearing about it because I, I, this six weeks leading up, I was doing nothing but that, you know, just trying to prepare <laughs> to, to meet these guys and show them. Yeah. I, they're friends of mine, but they're, they're, um, they're so, uh, artistically inclined. Yeah. And, um, kind of focused on what they do that they know exactly what they want, mm. how it's going to look. They control everything that no one like steps in and does things for them you know they design we like to call those covers. people very uh particular in what they like yes. this visionaries yeah, yeah like they do everything they control everything and i was the first outsider so to speak outside of their family because they're family artists who uh they used work from you know it was like this it happened in 2013 jesus i'm random <laughs> in 2013 <laughs> well, I, I went to see their they were supporting ghosts in london um and I, I flew over to meet them and hang out and I just, you know, did a, the usual, just took a bunch of photos and it was a photo I took of Mario, the drummer. I loved it. I wanted to thank them for all the good times we'd had. So I, I got this thing framed and I sent it to Mario that Christmas, which was 2013. It now hangs in his dad's office, I think he said. And it's now on the DVD of that show that they were filming in London that day. So it's on the cover. Which is actually right here. Of the show? So this was my first... It's not really a monetary thing. Um, so that's Mario bashing the drums. Gojira. Is that how you say it? Gojira? Uh, Gojira. Gojira. That's the name of the band? Yeah. Love it. So long story short, they used to be called Godzilla when they were kids. Because um, <laughs> they wanted a gargantuan sound. That was what they were going for with metal. And... Yeah. Uh, they are, they sound gargantuan. I mean, there's this, there's a performance I should send you guys from Hellfest. It's like super heavy. Of a song called Where Dragons Dwell. It's about your inner strength, your inner power. Um, that's at least that's what I take from it. It's a 10 minute live track. It is one of the most powerful things you will ever see in your fucking life. That's I sweet. guarantee. So Fias, this is since we're on the topic of music and that's something that, you know, you're very well known for and also just like your inside of music. It's just for metal alone and just like heavy rock. A lot of people that are kind of outsiders to that genre of music, I've always found it interesting. Like they're like, oh, you're just got a guy that's, you know, screaming the vocals and you don't know what he's saying. And, you know, you, yeah, yeah. you, you got people that are just doing crazy heavy bass guitar. And then you got like two guitars just doing thrash metal. And luckily I've like had people like you in my life and Scott that, you know, have always like showed me different types of metal music and just heavy rock, even though I listen yeah. to genres like we all do. But just to stay primarily on metal and like heavy rock, because people don't realize that the lyrics internally have a lot of meaning. And yeah, a lot yeah, of them do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's some there's some vocal artists like, yeah, you might not really always know what they're saying, but it's also in a weird way, it makes you actually listen a little bit more, you know? Yeah, like, it, you know, it can, it can range from anything from life experience to. Uh, a thought yeah we're missing misanthropic stuff or like I woke up today to Slipknot's people people equal shit <laughs> I mean a lot and, of people uh, do <laughs> it's, it's it's perceived as negative but you know it's an, it's, it's an, I, I look at it as an observation of what we are yeah um, in, in general but when you dig into it there's also talk about how individual people are so great the good things people can do um, but when you look at it on an outside perspective you just go with the fucking hearing, you know? But, yeah. uh... <clears throat> so, Gojira have a different angle. Like, they... 
there's a lot of like environmental stuff they discuss in their lyrics. Um, there's a really interesting song called Flying Whales, which is about, you know, when, when the world gets flooded and it's a dream that Joe had, um, the world got flooded and he was walking down the street in New York and, uh, he looked up because he's walking in the water. If you can picture it. Yeah. And the right? whales are above him. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it was this, this dream he had and it inspired this song called Flying Whales, which is actually one of their, That's it's one of their most popular songs, you know, and it's, it sounds really out there and cookie when, when they first came out with this song, which was 2005. And you know, the metal scene is, I don't know what it's like in other genres. Cause this is the one I'm, I mean, I listen to everything as you know, but this is the one that I've lived with since I was a kid. Um, yeah. I remember metalheads reacting badly to the, like, what's this song about whales and like, what are you guys like, you know, that. but like the period of it is you should be able to talk about whatever you want, you know, like it's, and, and I like that kind of individual expression. And so he talks about his anger come, he told me once his anger came from, uh, seeing people around him, not using the potential we all have. Damn. I like this guy. Well, he's, He's a modern-day philosopher, if you ask me. His name's Joseph Dupontier. Can you spell that name? The last name? <laughs> I, got the, I got the Joseph part. D-D-U. It's the new spelling bee. P-L-A-N-T-I-E-R. Dupontier. <laughs> yeah, so our podcast that we've been kind of messing with, just getting back on the rails the last couple of days, had a lot of focus in regards to what you just said about, you know, you're just oh, people's potential. So Man, we all have it too, you know that. Yeah. Every I, single one of us. I want to wrap around for a second because while you were talking, I'm glad I got my notepad because I just I was just writing things down while you were talking. And one of the things I find interesting about a genre, like you said, some people look at it and like other metaheads would look at what you know Gojira. Correct me if I say that wrong. Stuff like the music they're producing, they're like, "What is this?" But I've kind of even started to stray away from what some people ask what genre is. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know. I just know I like it. Just <laughs> and, good music, man. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't... Something that resonates. The something, genre, yeah, right there. The, the genre doesn't matter, really. Just fucking listen no, to it and, and then no, take it, it as you want. And quite you frankly... You know my favorite record is right now? It's The Weeknd's new album. I think I saw you post that, too. Yeah. It is, it is... It's taken me by complete surprise because it's not what I usually listen to, which is like kind of R&B-ish yeah. uh, sort of thing. But it's just, it's so fucking good. It's so, just, it, just, like a, it just makes the ears tingle. It's got some good yeah, uh, eargasms. And it's, it's so out of what I usually listen to. And I, I heard my brother listen to a song one day. And I was like, what is that? Oh, it's The Weeknd. I was like, oh, that guy. Because when we lived in Toronto, obviously he's from Toronto, so you, you, know, Canada, you hear yeah. about him a lot. And he just has a... I don't know. Beautiful voice. Uh. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he uh, he messes around with like too much editing either. I think his voice is just that good. Yeah, man. I saw him live once. He's just like he's immaculate. Yeah, know? if you can belt that out live, I mean, right there and then, it, like it shows how good you are. Since yeah, we're yeah. on the weekend, it's funny you brought him up. I was watching something on social media on Snapchat, and they were talking about how what we're gonna get Kirby in here. Um, but the one thing that was funny about the weekend was talking about how the weekend actually, I guess, tweeted or said in an interview that uh, Usher took his style of music back in like 2011. I don't know if you if you if you knew about that. But yeah, yeah, because uh, I don't know, man. But he he had a hard uh, road breaking in, you know. But he did it all on his own. Yeah, I mean, the, his new album has been kicking ass and taking names. 
He's from an area. Oh, hey. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> Kirby likes to sit up right here with us. Who's this? This is Kirby. Hi, Kirby. Gorgeous. <laughs> Say hi, dude. <laughs> What's up, Kirby? He literally likes to just sit at the table. He's like, he's like sit. Who's Kirby named after? You know, um, now we're off topic a little bit. We'll jump back. It's all a good. Um, I had, I got him. We've had him in the family since he was a pup, a baby. Yeah. And uh, one of our high school friends came over, and he's ten now. He's almost ten this summer. And one of our high school friends was over, and we were sitting there brainstorming what to name him. And one of my friends said Kirby, and for some reason that just stuck. So. Is it? You must find out for me if it's from the video game. I've no. asked. I've asked him. He doesn't. People, they don't know. People have asked the video game. People have asked the vacuum. I'm literally just like I don't know. For some reason, when we were younger. One of my favorite games is the TV. That's just what stuck. So. The what? Smash Bros. Or no, just actually Kirby's Dream Mode on the Game Boy. I've never, I've never played that. But I used to, when I played my one buddy in elementary school, he gave Super Smash Bros. And it was the first time I ever played on Nintendo sixty four. He only oh, used. Oh yeah, yeah, that's dude, a he, great game. Man. He only used Kirby. And would just demolish everybody because I was like, dude, who is this guy? And I would get like, like all like the superheroes guys with like guns and swords and stuff, and he would just own me by just sucking me up and then just spit me back out and yeah, then just beat me up. Yeah, a little badass, man. Oh, just mess you up easy, <laughs> just easy work you, especially if you know how to use them well. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but, yeah. my girlfriend's always sending me uh, this gif of uh, or gif. I don't even know how you say that word. Me either. Um, <laughs> Joyce sent me this gif of Kirby because she said that's how I eat. <laughs> he's, just, he's just sucking all the food in like. Shove it in your pie hole Just one just, And I love, yeah, the, yeah. I love the noise too That they Like all like, the little sounds in that game It's just hilarious Because if you have like More than two people playing You have all these characters flying around And they have all like You don't even know where they are But when you hear the sound of like their weapon And you know what's going on With that vacuum noise of Kirby Happening like You're like oh where's he at <laughs> And then you just and then you just get sucked up. You're like, oh, that's what happens. That just like it's like instantly how like those sounds and and images like go back to like crazy memories back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super, oh, super trippy. Love it, love it. This is this is completely unrelated, but you guys were just talking about food, and obviously uh, the three of us chatting right now remind me of the fish and chips <laughs> in Warwick. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, we went there like every day. Fucking soaked in vinegar and salt. Oh, that it was, was, was damn good. <laughs> yeah, they like their. They like. I don't know if it's like that in Celtic sea salt, man. I mean, we got dump that shit on. I, yeah, I was about to go way off topic, but uh, <laughs> but it's. I don't know. Is it's like salt and vinegar like a very like strong staple in the UK? It would be. Yeah, I mean, like you even get you know potato chips, crisps. So they were hammering that stuff on there. I'm like, you guys might as well just like dump it in a bucket with it. <laughs> like, I was like, holy shit, dude. Oh. But anyway, that was uh, just back on the rails here. That was, that was <laughs> yeah, topic. So, yeah, the uh, oh, I, I wrote something else down that I wanted to ask you. The uh, you started yeah. to mention the Hellfest. Is that is that like an annual music festival in your area? Yeah, it's in, it's in Clisson, in France. Clisson. How do you spell that? Um, C L I double S O N. Clisson, France, and is that a is that normally in the summer? I think it's near the west of the country, man. Okay. And, and I, yeah, forgive me. I actually, I've never checked the map. It's so weird because we always just get a bus on whatever we were at the day before when we go there. You know, and I, I just remember it always being a pleasant looking place. I just, we were usually only there for a day. So I never get to explore the town. So we just arrive, we go, the guys do the show. 
we do our work and then we leave again, you know, so it's, um, I've yeah, never yeah. actually spent more than one day at Hellfest, but it's a great festival. Is it, and, is it like a week long thing or a week? A, a week? Uh, it's a weekend, Friday weekend? to Sunday. Okay. How many times? And, you- uh, <clears throat> it just canceled actually this year's one. Yeah, yeah. everything's been freaking canceled. There was a and, music uh, festival. Their insurance company isn't wanting to pay them. So Walk they, that. So they, um, they made a big statement yesterday and ended it with fuck you. I really <laughs> hope that they, they get the money because they're out of all the festivals I work at and I've been to, one of the best. The people are great, and the, the diversity of the the lineup that they get every year is it, it ranges from like the lightest rock you could possibly think of to the heaviest metal. You know, it's just I was about to ask kind of the range. Of it music. checks all avenues. It sounds like <clears throat> yeah, if you're into rock music, you know, and, it, and it's grown exponentially. But it's also like the environment that they create at it is each year has like a different theme. But it's it's just so much fun to be around. Man, there's never any aggression. There's has um, festivals always been, I, I mean, I've always, like, grew up watching, like, MTV videos of, like, you know, bands in, like, the 70s and 80s and whatever. And, and like, it seems like festivals, but, part, like, primarily it seemed like an artist, like Metallica used, for example, or, like, Def yeah. Leppard. Like, it wasn't a festival they did. It was mostly, like, their concert, and then they would have a bunch of artists before them. And that was, yeah, like, yeah. that was, like, how... You would go like Iron Maiden. I saw that like in South America. They're huge, and oh, gigantic. Yeah, and it's yeah. like I don't know. Back in the day, um, you have more experience when it comes to the music industry. But was it always this big when it comes to big festivals going on, or was it always like mostly a little bit smaller, like hodgepodge? Because artists want to do their own thing, but I feel like now they all want to come together. I'm not. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I I, I don't know much because I mean, you know, as you know, I grew up in Africa, so when I got to Europe in 2000. That was kind of when I started checking out live gigs, and I hadn't seen a live show my entire life until we moved to Europe. Geez, that'd be a whole different experience, yeah. Yes, I I was obsessed with music as a teenager sitting in Africa and just listening to CDs and making compilation cassettes and whatnot, and with a couple of guys I knew that liked the same stuff as me. But we would read about these shows. We'd get a metal hammer every now and again. Metal hammer? I'm guessing a magazine? Yeah, like a magazine, yeah. Yeah. Who are they're shit now? I don't care who what everyone thinks. What anyone thinks that opinion, I don't care. It's shit now. <laughs> it's, it's like a commercial rag for metal. It's it's embarrassing. Yeah. But uh, they went corporate. There's a lot of people that disagree with me on that because they probably work with them or, or know people there. I know some of them as well, and they're nice people, but it's not what it used to be. But bottom, I don't line. Live in- bottom line, that's how it is, man. They can share their yeah. opinions, and you can share yours. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. They shafted me a few times too, and uh, hey, there we go. That's okay. <laughs> Whatever. <clears throat> I don't hold any grudges, but I don't even know if they remember it. You know, but they have, and I've, I haven't forgotten. But I don't hold a grudge. They, lo- they, uh, they, uh, they, they lost an opportunity. Bottom line. <laughs> yeah, like as you guys know, I mean, I don't know what other industries are like, but that one is pretty cutthroat, and um, it's okay. I get it. Um, part of my you know when you when you're in college and you're you're like oh, yeah, I can't wait to finish I'm gonna take on the world get, yeah take over the world blah, blah blah but you kind of live in this like dream world then the real world sort of crushes you a little bit uh, <laughs> it's like it's uh, like your big brother or big sister walk in the room and just like giving you an elbow to the face and laughing and just say hey yeah. dinner's ready you know like it's just All like preconceived notions of just yeah <laughs> it's like this it just kind of it kind of but at the same time I think that's good 
for us to get you know kicked in the face every once in a while, and it it just wakes you up, and at the same time it kind of is a nice little reality check. Uh oh, you went mute. Yo, there oh, you go. There we go. Am I back? Yep. And the reason I said that was because um, the music industry was like that for me. It was like looking behind the curtain was one of the worst things for me personally initially, because all the ideals I held about it. Just none of it exists, you know. It's it's because it's a business. Um, so it was a matter of because Corey Taylor from Slipknot said it many years ago. He loves music, but he hates the business. But there's a way of kind balancing of it, traversing both. And he's successfully done it in that it's never affected his own. He still has like the same integrity. He's a he's an amazing person. He treats everyone he meets the same. He's just. Love that guy, and but, he's one of the, and he's one of the top singers too in the industry. For, yeah, for like what twenty some years. That man was so gracious to me personally when I met him, and I'm talking about a, a man's words and vocals that changed me as a person. Wow, I was nineteen. Didn't know that. Like when I when I first heard Slipknot, uh, I was nineteen. It was June nineteen ninety nine. It changed my fucking life. Wait, like, Fias, are you telling me that you and me are, are even more friends now? Because Slipknot's one of my favorites, just so you know. Yeah, they're in my top five, man, without a doubt. Like, Did we just become um, best friends? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Internet high five. Wham. Like, you, know what, you, know, you know what I love about them is they came, they came out with this preconceived idea and notion and vision and, you know, songs. And, you know, they didn't care what anyone thought of them. I mean, they're wearing masks on stage. That's really, yeah. it's, it's, it's probably been done before, but not to that magnitude, I don't think. No, yeah. Not without a lot of thought, you know? And, and Clown, Sean, the guy who's the main mind behind it all, apparently when he met the record exec from Roadrunner, he said, how does it feel to meet your first platinum artist? No now, shit. Some people, some people will look at that and go, oh, he's so full of himself. That's some balls. I, I look at it the other way because he was completely right. You know, he's confidence. <laughs> And they just worked. They knew they had something. And <clears throat> picture this, man, 1999, like the internet's just kind of taken off. We still had dial-up. I heard about Slipknot in Zimbabwe, in Africa, by word of mouth in June 1999. Word of mouth. That's huge. What? Right? That's huge right there. Zimbabwe, folks. Yeah. And they're a from month, Iowa. They're from Iowa. before the record even came out. That is... I don't even know. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. Like, it was just crazy, you know? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, you said before the record even was, like... Yeah, someone sent me a tape from England, like a cassette. No fucking way. And they said, hey, man, you need to check this out. This is unreal. Yeah, my friend, uh, my friend Zara, she's, uh... She's an architect now. She's married. Lovely guy, called Caleb. They have a daughter. Um, she used to run a Deftones fanzine that I used to write to from back in the day. Wow. Um, she just sent me this cassette out of nowhere. I didn't ask her for it, you know? And it had Machine Head's Burning Red on one side, which also came out uh, around that time, and Slipknot's debut on the other side of this cassette. And it just, it changed my life. I never heard anything like it. I couldn't, and these guys had masks, so you had no idea what they looked like. Yeah. So I'm lying, just seeing my headphones, and all I can see is this mask screaming in my, in my head, you know? It's such, it's such a, a, yes, yeah. It was such a strange, phenomenon at the time for me and I, I became obsessed and, and, and no, I mean obsessed I and then I was in Ireland a year later because of what happened in Zimbabwe and Slipknot were banned from coming to play here in October 2000 by the uh, 
Mothers Association or whatever the shit that was. And PETA? <laughs> yeah, because it, it scared them, you know? Yeah. But I, fi- I finally got to see them in May of 2001 at a place called Milton Keynes in England at the Ozfest. And I mean, to say that, and I was with this girl at the time from Zimbabwe. And this, I mean, I'm not bad, but uh, I was 21, she was 19. And she hated heavy metal, you know, I hated it. And she wanted us to get married and have kids and all. And I just didn't want to do any of this. Didn't know why I didn't want to do it, but. Something inside, your gut feeling was like, no, I got to listen to more Slipknot. <laughs> she, came, she came with me to that Ozfest. And, that was uh, nice, word. Slipknot were coming on, and I said, listen, I'm going down to that, that mosh pit thing. I didn't have no idea what I was going into. <laughs> I'm going. I've never been... I've never even been at one before. You know? It's amazing. It's crazy. Yeah. Don't get elbow in the freaking face or nuts, though. That's that's life changing, though. And she said these words to me: "You either love me or you go there." And I looked at her, and I looked at that, and I ran away. <laughs> <laughs> and I ran away. Oh my god, that's that's killer. I oh. said, well, "I'll see you later then." And uh, yeah, I, I I knew that. Her and I were never gonna last, you know, that kind of way. And um, yeah, just you just started learning more about each other right there. It is what it is. Yeah, you know, and, and I know she's married with four kids, and she's happy. I haven't heard from her in like twelve years, but um, uh, it just it just spoke volumes to me about where we were at that age because I was twenty one, she was nineteen. And so young. I had realized that coming to Europe, I was like, oh, I'm gonna f- discover things and find out stuff, and I'm gonna go to college and uh, I'm gonna go and study design. But she wanted to like just have a baby and get some shite job uh, no thank you that's that sounds shit yeah amen just want to walk through life no so we, shame or hate to the people we, that do it but sometimes I broke up with her on the phone which wasn't great but she was gonna fly over to Ireland and no. we're gonna get a we're gonna get an apartment together and she had everything laid out I said well listen I'm gonna save you the plane trip <laughs> this is this is done I'm going to college and I wish you all the best and that was it you know? Yeah, that was a huge slam on the brakes for her. <laughs> yeah, well, like, like, whoa, hey, what? Up until that point, I, you know, you're living in Zimbabwe, you can be quite sheltered from the world, especially back then. Yeah, you had and, a lot of experience, uh, yeah. We didn't know much, like, I didn't know much. It was terrifying coming to Europe, uh, but at the same time, it was exciting. And um, my parents made this huge sacrifice for my brothers and I by, by coming over here so we could experience something and... Well, granted, we were forced out by what was going on in, in Africa, in Zimbabwe at the time, but we were always going to leave. Um, and it just, Ireland is where I found my identity as a human being, you know? Like, it, it's, I was walking down the street and I was, oh shit, there's a kid in a slipknot shirt, you know? Or, yeah. Uh, that's something I'd never seen before. Then I found out I could go to art college. I didn't even know that was a thing, because I liked to draw. And it was just sort of this, Actually, right now, I must mention a man, Simon Rainsford. He was my first ever lecturer. And he's just a simple art teacher who lives in this town I live here in Ireland. No way. That's sweet. He, he, the moment I met him, <clears throat> I was two weeks late for the course. And he, he just looked at me and he looked me up and down and he goes, well, look, uh, you come down tomorrow. And if you can catch up within a week, I'll keep you on. She's so, fair. I went down, I had no idea what I was going to be doing. He just gave me the coursework and I sat down the back of the class and I just bust my whole man and I got it done. And he kept me on. And leading up to the end, it was, it's called a portfolio course. So you, you do this as a prep for art college, you know? 
mm-hmm. and then you decide what direction you want to go in when you get there you know so he was my advice and he's been my advisor my mentor throughout this entire artistic journey wow um, that's beautiful he's never wrong he's never been wrong he's probably the most wise person I know what kind of art does he uh, like to focus in? Is it like pottery like, or is it just everything? He, he's writing? kind of like a facilitator, you know? So you come, he watches you for the year, sort of figures out what you're interested in and gives you suggestions. He doesn't he doesn't push you in any way. Not, and it goes right back to music for me and I was, I was looking at the CD one day and it was an email address and it was a hotmail and it's an artist called Travis Smith who still works today. Um, I think he... He's on the West Coast, somewhere in the States. But I said, I want to do this. And he said, what's that? And I said, I want to do CD design. And uh, he says, well, why don't you email that guy and ask him? So I emailed Travis Smith, and he actually got back to me and said, well, I studied graphic design in college, but it didn't actually get me this gig. Um, but it was it's helped because I can put text and image together. Yeah, it was kind of so a building he, block. Yes, yeah, so he says, what I'm, what I'm saying to you is all it was was a tool mm-hmm. I learned. Um, it never became my career, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, I took that bit of information on board, went, studied graphic design, went to work in a design agency. Within a year, I quit. You know? Yeah. But I've kept the skill, and that's what I'm using to design this Kojima book, is what I learned as a designer. Would you, you say know? it's a building block of kind of one of your main skill sets now, or just like it's in your arsenal of your toolbox? Of yeah, what, it's just one thing, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, you guys are the same, you know? Um, this is what I mean about people and potential and, and the dynamic of a human being is we can't be good at everything, but if you actually just try stuff, yeah. you'll find, you find things you enjoy, you find things you're good at, and it doesn't have to be just one thing. You know in video games how like, you've played enough video games, I, 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 I Oh, feel I love like, them. Love yeah. Them. So like I can yeah. kind of give you this analogy, which I, visually I think some people can use too. So to me, a toolbox is your mind, okay? The mind is, to my opinion, is the most powerful thing on earth. Because it generates everything, it makes nuclear Absolutely. bombs. Yeah. It can make cars. It can make, you know, software. It all starts there. So when I look at a video game, and let's say, let's say, um, let's say you're like building a, a, a sports player. You know, I'll use a soccer player as an analogy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's say that you want your speed to be a certain strength. You want your passing ability to be a certain strength. You want your mental. Uh, with, uh, wisdom of the game to be a certain strength. You want your power of your shot a certain strength. Things of those, you have different little categories. That's like the same thing with every single human. I don't know if me, this is weird, but I'll see somebody who I know is a higher stature. I'm like, damn. And I like look at their resume or I'll like ask them a thousand questions. I'm like, just wondering, how did you get to this point? And this is one thing that I try to do in interviews. I remember talking to you about it. Like, how did you get to where you were? And you're talking about kind of like how you went to school and it wasn't what you loved, but it was a building block. So then on yeah, top yeah. of that, on top of that building block, you start doing other building blocks and then you fill in the crevices with like cement or a certain type of glue that then keeps building you up and you begin, oh, I love that, and then man. you start building into, let's say you can start building a house, you can start building anything else. But in your mental toolbox, you start making other building blocks that allows you to do different things because they all share the same I guess, main root of a branch of a tree and you oh, just start growing off of each other, you know? So it's like, yeah, yeah. that's the way that I see a lot of people when we're talking about potential. It's like, all right, one, you gotta just be willing to do it. That's just the main thing. You gotta wanna learn. And if that's you have those, it, yeah. yeah, if you have those little basic things and you're just interested of trying things out, it works out. 
So is that vacuum distracting? It's a little loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's not terrible. It sounds like it went away. This is the problem of being locked out of the family. <laughs> <laughs> They're just out there cleaning the house. Hey man, that's my, that's my mom. Uh, can't stop cleaning. <laughs> Hope she's doing good, man. She's okay, thanks, man. She's um, I think I, we spoke, didn't we? She had spinal surgery, so she's she's uh, she's okay. She's in pain some days, but yeah, look, I'm not gonna argue with her. She wants to clean, so. Let it happen. Yeah, last time we talked to you, it was a, you were doing something for like 10 hours straight or like 12 hours straight or something. You were doing some sort of a breakdown of uh, some editing. I remember you talking about. Oh, yeah, that was, that was a nightmare to get done. Yeah, that was, um, that was that documentary type thing I filmed for that making of the album, um, which I, I told the guys that asked me if I could do it, but I had done it plenty of times. Never done it before, so I had to kind of sort of guess my way through it troubleshoot it <laughs> troubleshoot it a little bit like okay I think this does this I think it does that and just mess around with it yeah. so it's how you again, get good build, building blocks like what you mentioned I've been watching music documentaries how they make albums my whole life so I just kind of fed off that you know they like used that as a oh yeah I remember how they did that you see someone talking about a process okay that's called a talking head interview so we mix that with footage of them doing that thing and it it starts to tell a story and that's and it actually came together and it works. <clears throat> Hell yeah. That's sweet, man. I remember you talking about it because you, you were like, you're like, yeah, it's kind of good that you guys reached out to me and this time worked out because like, it gives me a little mental break. And, and you told me about that, that you had everything going on in your life. And I remember talking to Brett after I was like, damn, I go, I, we got to appreciate a shit ton that Fias like took some time away because that's like, if I were you, I might have just wanted to take a nap. <laughs> oh, no, man. I, I, uh, I appreciate that. But no, I, I, one, I like talking to you guys. You know, Thank uh, you. Or two, like my girlfriend said, like talking. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, my mother says you talk to a pole. That's what she says to me. I mean, somebody's uh, got to hear the freaking voice, goddamn. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, I can't talk to everyone, you know. Like it, it's, I don't judge people, but I need, I need something back, and that's what I get from you guys. It's, it's, it's stimulating. It's, um. It's never boring, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's fun and it's enlightening. <clears throat> we need yeah, more. We're not, we're not just like, again, I'm not judging people, but like, I know some people, like, all they all they do is like talk about the trauma in their life. I mean, it's just. It's very surface like, level. And I'm just like, what are you. You know, there's like this massive planet and this. It's so much bigger than us. And I get the whole internal thing because we all have that. But is that really all you have going on? Is like, who's banging who and that's going on there and like. <laughs> Talk about other people, yeah. There's but so keep, much, so much to do. Keep me out of that shit. I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, we'll let them. We'll let them play in that playground. We'll play over here. That stuff is exhausting to me. You know, it just it just drains me. Jesus, I'm rambling, but it does. It drains me. It was a relationship I was in in college. It was one of those people, and Jesus, it was a horrible time. But it was a learning experience. You know, and I learned that I never ever want to hook like you know how some guys let's talk about males for a second <clears throat> we'll do anything to get laid it's the whole <laughs> it's the whole like uh, motivation for everything um, Joe Rogan talks about this he, it's a theory of his that you you jerk off before you do anything <laughs> right? get more and shit you're done distracted then. and yeah. you go oh wait yeah I don't need to go and see her I don't need to buy her a drink I don't need to do anything like 
what was he calls it he calls it mental clarity i think he's like he's yeah, like hold yeah. on hold on and he's like give me about 10 minutes i gotta clear my head and then he yeah. comes back and then he's like all right man he's like he's like on the video he's like loosening up his shoulders he's like all right now i can think straight it's, it's, like, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing piece of advice for men post nut clarity yeah <laughs> that's it that's the literally the word that he uses yeah okay i'm rambling again but uh it's fine yeah so going back to yeah so i just noticed in college because sex has never really been a huge motivator of mine and because there's always so much hassle to it and to get there um i need to do things like glow her and talk to her and get her drinks and <laughs> just for the end result which is you know so i <laughs> So much work for, uh, what, 30 seconds? I just want, I personally I always found a lot of work because I believe in things happening organically and to me that's beautiful. Um, that's the most beautiful part of my relationship with my current girlfriend is it happened in a beautiful, organic manner. Yeah. We just met, we clicked. <clears throat> it was really innocent. Um, you know, obviously sex is an important part of anyone's life, but uh, the hell am I talking about? Oh yeah, so um, <laughs> it's good. This is good. This is good information. I mean, yeah. So I was with that. That's this this dipshit of a girl back in college, and uh, shout was, out to that girl. She was so far removed from what I was already, and I was only twenty four at the time. But I started noticing cracks like a month in. My friend called me. We were we were sitting in our house, and my friend called me, and he was tripping on acid in a field. Jeez. And he just wanted to call me and ask and hear my voice. And go, is everything okay? And I just look, Lee, everything's fine. You're just tripping. You'll be fine. It's all good. And she was disgusted that my friend took acid, right? And I looked at her and went, what do you mean? And she goes, what, what is he, a junkie? I said, no, no, he took some acid. He's not a junkie. He's, he's probably hallucinating and shit, but he'll be fine tomorrow. And they, I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, oh my God, you know, you hang out with druggies? And I was like, because what are you talking about? It's his own body. He can do whatever the hell he wants with it. And she couldn't understand that concept. You know, and I was 24, she was 23. I was like, what are you on about? And anyway, two weeks later, I was smoking a joint at a party. And she walked in and she looked at me and she had this, this face of disgust on her. You know, and I, and I looked at her. This is granted now. This is while she's drinking vodka. <laughs> right? Pick your poison, she, right? And I walked over, I said, what's wrong with you? And she goes, don't touch me, you're smoking that stuff. And I just said, uh, okay. Um, yeah, I broke up with her a week later. <laughs> Surprised it wasn't that, that long? Yeah, I'll be like, dude, just cut it that night. Because <laughs> uh, she made this big scene in college the next day. Um, she's like, oh my God, I can't believe you smoked this stuff. And I was like, what are you, my fucking mother, my teacher? Like, no, you don't get to, I'm here by choice. You don't get to fucking behave like this. I'm never a dickhead to you. I never... It doesn't take over my life. It doesn't control anything. Uh, it's something we were doing at a party. It was fucking fun. It was a fucking party. I mean, Jesus, you know? <clears throat> so she ran away crying in the middle of the college hall. Everyone looked at me and goes, oh, well done. Uh, you know, I, was, right. I looked at everyone. Was like, yeah, none of you know the full story there. It just, so. it just shows the judgmental perspective a lot of people have. And that's not to say that, well, I mean, we're all subject to being judgmental. Yes. But to be, to be, I mean, awareness is a huge part of life but yeah i mean we, we all have a tendency to judge but you look at somebody like that i mean and i've grown over the last five or ten years like trying to circle back a little bit about the whole metal thing i never i never was a guy that listened to metal 
And when I honestly, when I when I heard metal, I'm like, turn that shit off. <laughs> I I get it, friend. but I too. but yeah. now but now that I'm becoming more educated about things and life in general, <clears throat> and especially isn't, meeting, that, isn't that beautiful? One? It is, it is. But it, and it all it also makes me look back. Open the door. What's in there? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I I'm tended I'm t- I tend not to. Uh, Try try not to regret things and just learn from them instead, because um, sometimes absolutely on one side of the coin you can be like, wow, I've been missing out my whole life, or but it's not even that I've been missing out. It's like now I know. I I mean yeah yeah per- man. I mean I was the same. Particularly particularly meeting you and Jared. Jared. Yeah. yeah, I mean honestly before just about to ask about that. Like, did that change your perspective on metal music? Or bef- hard before rock? meeting the two of you, and I get that there's there can be some very uh, several variations within the genre. But before meeting the two of you guys that are that were into that kind of music, yeah. pretty pretty uh, emotionally connected to it, um, and I wrote down a word here, you know when you when you were talking about that flying whale song, um, that's why I take notes because otherwise I wouldn't remember what the hell we talked about in, no, in detail. Um, He's got Alzheimer's. About the about the flying whale song, and it just reminded me of like an expression or a uh, phrase intellectual expression, which is obviously any form of music. Mm-hmm. But it just goes to show when you actually listen to what the people are talking about. I mean, if you hadn't told me that that those that one band, uh, Gorgira talked, or Gojira talked Gojira. about Gojira. <laughs> talked Think about, about this: how a Japanese person says Godzilla, Gojira. 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 There we go. That's where it comes from. Connections. Um, makes sense. But how they're talking about the environment. I mean, honestly, unless you really listened to it or, or had someone pointed out to you, I probably wouldn't notice that. So. Yeah, just, I have another great message, friend. It's called L'Enfant Sauvage. Ooh. Which, say that three times. Try. Make me melt. So L apostrophe E N F A N T L'Enfant. And then Sauvage S A U V A G E. And that translates to the wild child, which is another thing Joe talks about, which is keeping your inner child alive, which is that excitement for life, looking for things, learning. Um, Jesus, we should, he believes that we should all keep it alive constantly, you know? We need yeah. to interview this guy. Holy crap. He sounds awesome. Joe who? He's Joe Duplantier. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's one of the one of the main guys. Yeah, he's a singer and guitar player. Um, very eloquent, well-spoken lad, but uh, very wise for his years. I've learned a lot from him. A lad. I like it. He, he's, he's who taught me acceptance in the moment and not expecting things, but more accepting. I like he that. Told me. Yeah, accept, always ex- not expect. Always accept, never expect. That's what he told me. I think that's that's brought a broader mindset of, of just being open-minded. Yeah, because I was struggling with having to leave Canada at the time. It was against my, <clears throat> it was out of my control. It was diplomatic bullshit, you know, like so bureaucratic bullshit. I couldn't get the visa extended and I was frustrated and he looked at me and he said, what's wrong with you? And I told him and he goes, well, look, man, you're going home to your mother. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world, is it? Like, just accept it for what it is and just life will send you something if you just breathe and move forward and stop fighting your river. So you go with the river instead of against it. Ah, wow. Damn. And that, that was inspired by Alan Watts when he talks about going with the river. You said Alan who? Do you guys listen to Alan Watts at all? 
Alan Watts. I can't say that sounds familiar. For me, what the the last name Watts sounds familiar. I'm trying to highly, highly recommend listening to that man. How's the last name spelled? W a t t s. By the way, here's the here's the notes I've gotten so far. I know you can't read them. I can. <laughs> <clears throat> on the Alan Watts thing, right? Yeah. Put down Architects and the song called Memento Mori. What is it? Memento Mori? Yeah, M, which means be mindful of death. So M E M, Memento, M E M E N T O, and then Mori, M O R I. I think it's Latin, I'm not sure. Um, Sounds like it, the Mori part. But that's a song. That's a song you guys should check out when we're done. Because um, they use a lot of Alan Watts quotes in it, his actual voice. Um, and Tom Searle, the guitar player who wrote that song, was about his impending death from cancer. Because um, cancer was killing him and he was going to die very soon. So this record is called All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us. And uh, Tom has two, may you rest in peace. He has two songs on there. One's Memento Mori and the other one's called Gone with the Wind. And they were both dealing with his, his cancer that was coming to fucking kill him. And he died later that year. Jeez. His twin brother, his twin brother's the drummer in that band. It's uh, um, it's pretty interesting knowing what, what mortal, how mortality, um, facing mortality, inspires some people. Dude, he's, he blew my mind, this kid. He was only 28 at the time. And I just couldn't get over someone being so accepting of it just grounded it sounds like yeah he was just like such an incredible human being for like so young you know they're medical architects they're the fucking badass man but um they're kind of an acquired taste though like they the vocals are really acquired taste you know like people either love them or hate them um and it's kind of it sort of decides whether someone likes the band or not you know like my girlfriend would be the biggest fan. She says it all sounds very samey, and I get that. You know, but I, I have an emotional connection with architects and the things they talk about. And, you know, like Jesus, I ramble. But there's this lyric that that Sam, the singer, wrote, which is about David Cameron and the English government at the time. And he's like, "We've given the vampires the keys to the blood bank." I mean, it's just such a powerful fucking lyric, you know. And uh, he. Uh, I gotta find this the vampires the song's, called, the, blood the song's called Grave Digger Grave Digger okay is, are we still talking about Alan Watts sorry what? are we still talking about Alan Watts is that the artist yeah well really because the architect's song I told you Memento Mori there's a couple yeah. of Alan Watts quotes they used in it like his actual voice and it, it just works the way they use it it just works so well man but uh where's this lyric you sold us all down the river. I hope you choke on the vows that you failed to deliver. You said you changed the world, but death still flies east. The blind lead the blind, so we bomb for peace. That is fucking amazing. And that's the Gravedigger lyric? Yeah. Yeah, I have to look that up for sure. You built this empire on salt and sand. Not all is fair in love and war. History repeats, we've seen this all before. We've given the vampires the keys to the blood bank. When the liars leech the crooked preach, so lie through your teeth, lie like you mean it. It's beggar's belief. Do you really think that we still fucking believe it? You fucking parasite. There's no room in here for an honest man, only callous and cold hearts. Love it. 
What I think is crazy about music is not only, I mean, I don't, know, I don't even really know how the whole process works. I know there's sometimes there's songwriters out there and then, and then there's an artist that, that puts that to, to an instrumental of some sort. But I think it's pretty, it's wild to me how not only is someone sitting down and writing these lyrics, but then they, it's obviously their artistic mindset. They orchestrate it to, to some soundtrack. It's crazy, man. Like how, people just art, art in general. Like I've never, I've never been what would I, what I would consider artistic, really in any sense. I mean, I guess we all have some form of, of artistic ability, <clears throat> in in whatever way that we express it. But when I see like we do, artists, we like, do. like graphic, about how you live your life. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's an it's an art there's an art form to everything. But just when I look at like my uh, my brother's girlfriend, for example, is a graphic graphic designer, and I think she. She works for a company called Fitch in here in Ohio, okay. um, but like they just go into a a building, like it could be a blank canvas, so to speak, and they just they create something out of nothing. And to me, that's that's pretty incredible. Yeah, um, yes, and the same thing with art, like you just somebody sits down, and obviously it seems like more than anything they're just writing out, writing down thoughts, and then yeah, they just find find a way to attach that to to music, which I find pretty incredible. Oh, it blows my mind, man. I mean. Especially when it's something like, like you'll see when you check out Gojira, check out Architects, like they don't even, sometimes they don't even follow the traditional song format, like, you know, like a, a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, or bridge, solo, outro, whatever, they, sometimes it's just like this piece of music that just, that just flows and then he just lays his vocal down and it becomes this this powerful thing that when they play it at a show or I'm just walking listening to it it has this 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 innate power of its own and who knows how they put it together you know like it's the evolution even from the initial idea to what ends up being the thing that's recorded it's mind-blowing to me you know? and I'm sure that, that could be anything from a, a cooking a meal to making a movie yeah. a TV show to, to 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 making a car um, this is another thing I've found uh, art seems to be always focused on whether it's writing art, uh, drawing music, film but like if you look around man I mean this thing we're talking about right now is art and it's <laughs> yeah it's pretty wild that I don't know I think Jeez. last time we looked it up you're 3,000 miles away and I can through through air basically. I'm looking at your face and listening to you, and 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 the fact that like the words that are coming out of your mouth, I hear them like that. It's insane. <laughs> uh, just just to interrupt thing, you. I gotta interrupt you real thing, quick. Someone's made this receptacle that I can put water in and, and drink out. It's amazing. <laughs> I gotta interrupt you real quick. So we found out yesterday when we were recording um, this. Apparently, our app. I don't think it did it before, but it must be some change that the maximum recording time for segments is 60 minutes. And right now we're coming up on 59. So we're just, just, just so you're aware, we're going to have to, we're going to have a little gap where I'm going to have to, if it does okay. it, we're, yeah. we're monitoring this time. Cause last time it didn't really do shit. So we're just trying to, well, just I'm trying in to no rush. yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll keep today? recording. I just, no, it's not like, it's going to be, if anything, it's going to be like a five second pause where I have to, or maybe a little bit longer to actually save this episode than start a new one. Yeah, that's um, cool. I just segment. want to let you segment. It's, it's yeah. a segment. Just let you know. <laughs> Let's use some technical terminology here, folks. And yeah, we're gonna keep. I'm gonna keep an eye on it in the next 50 seconds. But I do want to wrap back around because when you said something about um, 
yeah, I think you started relating what you were talking about to a child and the way that their their mind operates. I think you started to segue to that earlier because you reminded me. Yeah, yeah, the um, the idea of the wild child, the, the inner child. Yeah, that was it. A comedian Ricky Gervais talks about it a lot too. Just never, never losing it. Um, it kind of keeps you sharp, you know. Um, like all my friends who've grown up in the in the traditional sense, who judged me when we were growing up, saying, "Oh, why do you still dress like a teenager? What does that even mean?" You know, like I mean, I'm just here. I'm not hurting anyone. I'll dress how the fuck I want. <laughs> exactly, I man. I don't have to. I don't have a uniform. I have to put. I'm, <laughs> yeah, no evolve or die. Yeah, I remember talking to some people about uh, certain things in life, and I remember going like through some training for college soccer, just any kind of training cramp camp. My dad, you know, dropped me in. There was a lot of stuff that the coaches and whoever it was was like, "All right, we're gonna put you guys in this scenario in the game. What are you gonna do?" Yeah. And you can—that's one thing I love about sports—is you can put somebody in a crazy situation and say. What are you gonna do here? You know, like what yeah, are you? Yeah, yeah. What, what's your problem solving? Like, I know, like Brett and I, we've like gone camping with friends or whatever, <clears throat> and it's like, all right, where it's like, it's let's say it's six p.m. We have some food, but we need to like set up camp here shortly. We're this far away from our destination. What do we start to do? You know, and then you can use that that same problem solving when when you're trying to fly, like aviation. I've I've started to notice, like, all right, Brett's That's- like. Dude, that's great, man. We start flying, and he's like, okay, one, we have an objective to do, let's say, traffic patterns, we'll say. You're just flying around an airport in a certain procedure and you want to do some landings. There's problem solving. Like, all right, the wind's doing this. Your airspeed's this. How do you adjust? You, it doesn't matter about if it's your aviation, a soccer game, or playing basketball, or at a music festival trying to film in a certain way. You have to adjust what's going on because you're in a world where you kind of know what's going on. But you've been to a f- yeah. probably a hundreds and hundreds of, of festivals, but they're all different. The layouts are different. The people you're working with are, are sometimes different. You know, the band's yeah. different. So how do you adjust? You know, and that's the beautiful thing about the mind is like, okay, how do I figure out the situation to make the most of it? Because I kind of have yeah. to. It's my job. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about, but there we go. No, I, I completely <clears throat> agree, man. That, that's such a great way of putting it. My little brother... Um, he, t- he told me something years ago before I went on this. I'd taken a gig and I didn't know why I took it because I didn't know how to do it. And uh, I was trying to panic as the flight was coming up, you know. And he looked at me and he goes, well, just just stand back, chill, assess the situation and go in step by step. Well, what's the worst going to happen? That you're going to fail and they send you home. It's no big deal. A lot of people are afraid of failure too and they don't realize that's part of the, it's part of the process. It's a beautiful part of the process. You're not gonna. You, you learn, I feel like you learn a lot less in my experience from reading books and what and, and and observing other successful people. That a lot of those people wouldn't have learned a majority of the things they know if they hadn't failed. Everyone yeah. says the same thing, though. Yeah, and I mean, but a lot of people like that don't that are afraid to try something, don't take don't heed that advice. Yeah, they're like they're so. I think I think a lot of it is they're afraid, and I'm not. I'm, everybody's subject to this. They're afraid of. Um, the being of being judged or being rejected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a hard thing, you know. And um, absolutely is, but you have to let it happen in yes. order to in order to grow. There's a machine head lyric: uh, "Dare to fail." It's that simple. Um, I put that in my subject line of my email in December of 2008 when I emailed one of Machine Head's crew 
and asked him to show the email to Rob, the singer. And it was basically asking Rob to take me on the road. And I was just a fan at the time that he kind of liked a few photos of. And uh, I put 10 reasons why they should take me in the email. And I put the subject line as dare to fail. And he told me a year later that he, it just, it wasn't that it was his lyric, but that I, that I got the idea of it. And that was why he took a chance on me because he knew I had the right attitude and didn't give a shit about failing. Yeah, and maybe or maybe not, like you were stepping out all in there and maybe in your head you were like, this is probably not going to work, or maybe you were... Oh, totally it was not going to work. That's exactly, man. <laughs> that's, that's more I chances. I sent it in December, and I didn't hear from him till mid-January, and it was Tuesday night, and I was in Chicago on Saturday. Details. <laughs> and, you remember that. And I, was, and I was shitting myself on that flight going over, and I brought too much for tour, which is what everyone does on the first tour they ever get. Everyone laughs at you. Because you've got all this luggage and stuff, and I go, "What the hell are you bringing that for?" <laughs> like, I don't know. You got to travel light. Don't be an idiot. And uh, it was Metallica in Chicago at Damn. the Allstate Arena. Where did you just go? Two nights. I mean, dude, it was. I didn't even know how to use the video camera. There's another thing. It was just like one of the most terrifying things I've ever taken on, and it it worked. We're just uh, if we're. Looking confused here for a second. Your your face just, just went like I'm. Well, the conversation's still going, but for some oh, yeah. reason you just disappeared. You just disappeared off my screen. But like, we we can hear you and everything. And it says Google Hangouts are still on. Here, wait. It might be. What if I turn my camera on or off? No, it has nothing to do with you. Is it in Google Chrome? No, this is it right here. Well, it might be somewhere else. I might have moved it. Yeah, his camera's still on. Not to another browser. That That's weird. I mean, we just can't see him, but hey, we can, <laughs> we can talk to him. We're just like, feel like we're talking to... That's weird. Do we, <laughs> what about if we, we hang up and call again and see if that works? I yeah, mean... Go ahead and do it on your end, because you... you uh, we're still recording, but go ahead and do it on your end, since it worked the first time you called me. Yeah, give me one sec, guys. All right. I think you can pause it. I'm not going to mess with it. I don't want to screw anything up. <laughs> you can edit this part out if you want, but there's no sense. I'll try and figure out how to edit it. I guess it's a good <clears> learning <throat> experience. Yeah, that's weird. It like, just disappeared. <laughs> While you were looking away, it just went... <laughs> yeah. Folks, if you're listening... It's uh, not like it just transferred to another browser. It just, yeah. So basically, we're just on Google Hangouts, which we think is much better than FaceTiming. Um, we're not going to use Zoom because I don't want to see any crazy crap and them steal our privacy information, which... <laughs> I guess here I'll just segue and just freestyle here really quick. If you use Zoom, there's a lot of people that have been using the Zoom conferencing um, application. Jeez, I really enjoying talking to you guys. It's fun. It could just go on, right? I mean, like you said, it's stimulating conversation, and too often people are. I even think this thought when I'm when I'm walking down the street, and a lot of people just typically say "Good morning" or "Hey, how are you? Good. How are you?" And it's like this, like quick. Oh wait, tell Brett your like pet peeve about people walking by you and. Like you You're talking about him, tell me. No, 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 no. Remember what you told me the other day? Oh. And like this girl. All right. So here, I'll just put in context since just make yeah, it simple. I hear this. So Brett and I are walking the dogs just because like we have to typically walk in the same time just because my dog will is still a young pup and adjusting to this world we live in. And he'll freak out if, if he's not with Kirby. Yeah. Um, 
So we're walking down our, our road here, like trying to get towards a lake. And we're probably about like 10 minutes in. And there's people like we, we live on a pretty busy road here in Cleveland. Yeah. As far as foot traffic. Yeah. As far as, as, far as sidewalks and people being outdoors and shit. So this girl runs by and just, just runs right by. Doesn't even like say hi or a little head nod thing. Doesn't even recognize us really. And yeah, yeah. I, I don't think anything of it because I have my dog. I just, my dog will like, like to sniff people. So if they run <laughs> by or walk by, he wants to like turn his head. So I'm managing yeah, yeah. Scooby is his name. And I'm just kind of keeping to the side of the, of the sidewalk. And then Brett was like, dude, what the heck? He like, he so, kind of said something like, and I was like, what? And I was, and he's like, he's like, I just hate when people don't even recognize that they're around other humans. So, so here's, here's the deal with that thing. And it kind of, for some people listening, the fact that I played that devil's like, advocate. So it turned into conversation. It's good. So the, <laughs> I mean, that's how conversations work. So the, uh, the fact that it was a female, probably some people are going, oh, you're just mad a girl didn't pay attention to you, which isn't the point at all. The point is, like, we're all humans living in this world. So I feel like so often, and, and I've, because he brought up the point, like, you know, well, maybe she was focused on a run or maybe she was listening to music, which I'm sure she was. And I'm just walking my dog. And like you said earlier, you just like to, t- you'll talk to anybody. You'll talk to a pole. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, <laughs> lately, would I take my dog on a walk every day and uh, past several people and sometimes I'll just throw something random out there that people aren't expecting to hear like how do you do <laughs> just something weird quirky because <laughs> people are just expecting you to say like hey how are you doing or whatever just like yeah, you know, yeah. some people you'll just like guys in the states I don't know how does other places where you just like nod your head at, at another dude um, it's not very common yeah, to do that it with still happens teammates. in my town and I don't, we still greet each other so you know I just throw these random things out there but my whole point with, with the comment I made and it was more like of a build up I feel like I've passed a lot of a lot of people. Granted, I mean, I take everything with a grain of salt. Like, are people just trying to avoid opening their mouth for the respiratory transition transfer? Yeah, of germs? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but but even like this all stems from very uh, various experiences even before that. Where like I walk, you walk past people, and they make it a point to avoid eye contact with you. And I don't know. To me, like as another human on this earth, that this is like, what's why are we doing that? Like, why can't you just look and make eye contact? with the person that you're walking two feet away from. And I get, you know, some people, are, I, I just don't understand it. I, I mean, people act like at least acknowledge that there's another human there. Like I said, if you're preoccupied yeah. with something else in your head, that's, that's different. But anyway, <laughs> I was, uh, it hit a fun nerve. So I, I, I had to ask him about it. It's, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I was in, I was in Camden in London last October and, uh, you know, people can judge me for this. I went to go to McDonald's, get a Big Mac. It was 1 a.m. Um, I like Big Macs. <laughs> okay, what anyone thinks of that. And anyway, I'm standing in line. It was the only place open, too, and I'm standing in line. And I started talking to this guy next to me. And, you know, in London, people are typically cold, and they all avoid each other, and no one acts up. They all sit on the subway and just... No one does anything, you know, they just... Staring at the floor or something. Yeah, stare at the floor, stare at your phone, whatever you want to do. Stay at the roof. Don't ever, like, act like a person. Don't dance, don't... Because my mate and I, we would be on the subway in London. Uh, we start dancing, you know, like, just... Yeah. Put on some NM, start dancing, and people just look at you like you're... Like, you've got something wrong. Anyway, I'm talking to this guy, and he looks at me, and he's clearly getting annoyed, and he looks at me, and he goes, you talk a lot, don't you? Um, <laughs> and, I, and I said to him, I said, well, I guess I do, but he goes, you know, we're in London, right? I said, yeah. Well, yeah, so what's the point? Mean? He said, we don't talk to each other here. 
So like, you know, you know what? I'm from Planet Earth, and we do. So I, <laughs> I love that. Uh, <laughs> Put him right if back you, in his place. If you want to talk to you, that's cool. We're only going to spend thirty seconds here while I get my Big Mac, then I'm out. So I listen, you have a good night. And he just looked at me and he says, "Well, you too." And he walked off. And I hope he thought about that later on, because I wasn't looking for anything out of him. I was just having a chat, you know. Yeah. Drop some knowledge on him. I don't know why we have to have these preconceived uh, barriers put up, you know. Well, I was even, I mean, <clears throat> I'm a very, I used to be, um, I guess, more shy when I was younger, but certain things have, have apparently opened me up. But I was walking yesterday at the park about a mile down the road from us, Edgewater Park. It's a pretty, pretty cool park in the area right by the lake. But this guy caught me off guard, to be honest. I was walking along, and this guy was just jolly. His wife was way in front of him on the beach, checking, taking pictures and stuff. And then he, he just, like, randomly walking with Kirby, and he randomly said, hey, how old's your dog? <laughs> and, you know, it's like it wasn't, it wasn't completely out of the, no, out of the norm. So, yeah, like, yeah. He didn't just say hey or anything, and I just kind of like, hey, he's, he's almost 10 this summer. And we just started shooting the breeze, and he started telling me about how he went to Penn State, a college in Pennsylvania, and how his – all, all this random stuff, and it turned into, I don't know, probably like a five-minute conversation about random stuff, and all of a sudden, he's like, all right, have a good one. <laughs> and, I love uh, that, man. But those, it, it's, that's good stuff. I mean, at first glance, you know, if you try to have that conversation with anybody else, they might they might give him a shy eye or, I don't know, just think it's it's strange and weird to talk to another human. I don't know why that's so weird to people. I think people get yeah. social anxiety, too. Like, people are just worried like, I don't know, I've talked to a couple of people that have not, like, they they told me because I'm friends with them, they're like, yeah, sometimes I just, I just get, like, social anxiety is a thing. Like, I just don't want to be in front of a group of people and talking, which most people, you know, have stage fright, which I get. I mean, mm-hmm. we will talk in front of a bunch of people, but not a lot of people will go out and, like, do a presentation, which there's different levels of communication. Yes, yes. So, yeah. like, me, I'm like, I'll go do that. I don't care. Like, as long as I know kind of what I'm talking about and I'm not doing anything wild, like, I'll go in front of people and just belt out the information is what it is. But some people, like, I think they get in public and they, they freak out. Like, they have an issue with saying, oh, hey, how's it going? I mean, I know there's some girls that, um, that I'm friends with that, like, they're when they're in public and they're on a run, like, mm-hmm. they're afraid to stop and say hi or or whatever because – Obviously, they're scared because of they might see some of the news like somebody got attacked in the park. Or yeah, something. okay, I get that. Which yeah. that's a, there's like there's so many variables in social communication because it's like someone like that. That's one thing I was telling Brett. I was like, maybe she just she's focused on her run. One, two, she doesn't want to talk to strangers. Or three, she just doesn't want to talk or just be nice. You know. So there's like a lot of things you got to take the grain of salt. You know. Yeah, like so, I get both your points of view there. You know. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting how how much more confident. And opened up people are with friends, though. Like, if you're out with a group of friends, what you're inclined to do versus being by yourself. Yeah, that's a very like, good point, man. Guys just fucking goof <clears throat> off. Like, if you're walking around with a group of buddies, like, you guys are going to goof off a lot more than if you were just by yourself. Where, like, when Henry and I are driving around, some people would consider it catcalling, and it's not even that. But, like, we'd just be driving down the street, and it's not like I'm going to be blown by somebody fast. Like, if we're just cruising through town or at a stoplight or something, I'll literally just beat my horn. Somebody will look, and I'll just wave at them. <laughs> I mean, because why not? And sometimes how you often get, do you get a response? Honestly, I mean, I two out of five uh, after our uh, personal studies in depth. Yeah. Well, it depends on what you mean by response, because <laughs> like, 
You know, normally, know. normally when the horn honks, people are going to look around to see what's going on. Does anyone wave back? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a fair amount. And some people will kind of give you this, you know, that weird look. Like, who the hell are you? Do I know you? Why, I is, know you why is this guy happy? Why is he trying to be nice to me? What the heck? He's yeah. not supposed to do that. It's, it's such, against this culture that we're in. What the heck? It's such a negative disposition that people have. But it's, Do you think it's created by uh, society or uh, these? I, combination. This, this I, shit? Yeah, I think it could be. And then that, that shit right there is, is a large portion of it because people are so stuck staring at that thing and then focusing on uh, that's obviously a whole whole issue right that's there. that's why i'm scared of this social distancing what it's going to do in the long run yeah no doubt i mean because ultimately social media is becoming bigger than ever right now and dude i'm, I'm I seeing mean, people like but at the same time press. people are doing what we're doing they're conference calling and they're like they're doing that whole yeah. thing too so they are still <laughs> connecting with people i still think that i see what you guys are getting at but i think it boils down to the actual humans themselves yeah for sure but Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, there's, there's some it, people it's, itching to get back out there and hang out with the people. Yeah, well, there's some people that, like, they find an excuse, like, oh, I'm just going to sit at home, and I'm just going to get wasted and watch Netflix or, you know, whatever other streaming, you know, Disney Plus and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not judging you, but you're doing a serious disservice to yourself if that's all that you do. Right now is the time. best time to improve yourself or try something different, bottom line. You know that Meshuggah song, Destroy, Erase, Improve? It's just, it's perfect, you know? Um... I see all the time too, you know, like, um, here's a weird one, right? So, band, fans, and uh, we're at a show and there's a meet and greet. Now, there's a situation where two strangers, there's just no, it's this weird dynamic because they almost like worship the band guy, and but there's no weirdness because it's, they kind of know them, but they only know a persona that's put out. You know what I mean? Like you don't yeah, that's, know a, the that's a good metaphor for sure. And then you get this familiarity, and then I get it because I I know them personally, and people push over the line that I that I have, and they start getting um. Can, can you get them to sign up for me? Or, no, I'm not doing that. Like, I'll talk to you, but I'm not going to go and do that. It's like hey, will you sign this for them over there. Okay. Uh, no, you can't behave like that, you know, and then they get all pissy with me, and I'm like, well, you know that that's my friend, and I can't just, like, just, I don't know, wait your turn, or just be, just be in the moment, it may, may not happen, may not, but they don't owe you that autograph. Yeah, be accepting of what, of what comes of it. Unfortunately, people feel entitled to it, because they chose to resonate, they chose to go to the show, they chose to buy that ticket, I mean... There's a connection there. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, man, it's... Yeah, Henry, you put it best, like, it's really convoluted and... uh, And then sometimes, right? Here's a good one for you, like, I I got on a bus with my girlfriend to Edinburgh. Last time I was over with her, we were getting a bus to go down to Citizens Advice Bureau, and um, I was getting on after she got her ticket, she got on, I was getting on, and uh, I like to sit at the front of the bus because I'm claustrophobic, and it's like a coach. And I just want to be near the front windows where the air is coming in. And I like it. You know, I can see the road. Yeah. So if I can sit there, I will. So she sat in front. And there was just something between me and the bus driver. This woman and I just, I knew we could talk immediately. So I made some stupid joke. I can't remember what it was. And she left. And I sat down. And the next thing, we talked for like 20 minutes while she was driving. You know? and yeah, and probably I, that initial exchange of, of, con- of conversation was like nothing. It wasn't like the standard, hey, hello. Like you said, you just... 
you just realized for some reason there was some vibe or whatever that you guys could relate to something. Yeah, and one day I was in the bus going to Dublin and the bus driver, it was just me and him on, we, we dropped it when I was off, and then the bus goes into the city a bit further and leaves you in the middle, you know? So I was just waiting till that stop and this guy nearly, nearly hit this girl who wasn't looking at the road because she was too busy on her phone and she just walked into traffic. I mean, it was, it was so close and I just, I just said, I love that fucking moron. And, um, and he looked back and was, I wish I could say that more. <laughs> he's like, I deal with this every day. Like, I wish I could just, say that more. <laughs> but he's got to like, so we ended up talking about how people are so wrapped up in, in their individual situation, what they're doing, especially when it comes to a phone, that they're losing sight of what's going on around them. And Clueless. As a result, as a result, she nearly got hit by that bus, you know? Damn. And that led me to tell him about an experience in Toronto. You guys ever been in Toronto? I have, yeah. I have not. <clears throat> Do you remember the trams there? I was uh, there for a work trip, so I think really all I did was went to get lunch, and I didn't really... Okay, so they have these huge trams, man. They're not the modern ones they put in now, but the older ones, they call them streetcars, and they're these things are big, man, and, they, and they're pushing it down the road. And if you get hit by one of these, I wouldn't say there's much left of you, you know? Right. But this, this girl was just walking on her phone, headphones in, and I saw the streetcar because she's nearly going to get killed, man. And I grabbed her bag and pulled her back, you know? No shit. And, and you know what she did? She fucking screamed at me for putting my hand on her. That was, that was her reaction. Did she realize and at all that what was about to happen? I said, you know, you just fucking nearly died. And this woman next to me at the stop said, he just saved your life. And, and uh, she was like, oh, she touched me. I'm sick of men. And, and I just went, yo. Hey, Fires, I think that bus was supposed to do something. What's that? I think that, that train or bus or whatever it was was supposed to do something there and you <laughs> you interrupted with natural selection. <laughs> That's harsh, but damn, that might be true. I just looked at her and I was like, whoa, I, I didn't even touch you. I grabbed your bag. She goes, yeah, but you're still just in my personal space. So she was freaking out with you even though... Six feet, I, six feet, come on. Did she not see just, the bus go by or what? And I just said, I surely just let you fucking die. <laughs> yep. Uh, and she looked at me and went, asshole, and just walked off. That was insane. I'm an asshole no matter what I do, apparently. So. And, and the lady the lady at the stop with me, she goes, well, look, son, I'm glad you did it anyway. And she says, don't feel bad about it. I said, I don't. I'm just, I'm just a bit shocked. <laughs> <laughs> right? At the time, it was just so shocking, you know? Some people are so rooted in their ways, it's, it's hard to uh, help them out. Well, that's, yeah. that's an individual that's clearly Something's wrong. living asleep. Is, yeah, is yeah, yeah. Somewhere, and I met, I met a lot of them in Toronto. No, I don't mean them any harm or wish them any bad, but I never met so many human beings who live a privileged life wrapped up in cotton wool that know nothing about the outside world and would judge me when I when I would say something like, "Yeah, it was a conversation after work one night. I was sitting with three girls who work with me. I was in the kitchen; they were in the bar, you know, and." Uh, we're sitting having a drink and, and they started talking about torture for some reason. And torture? Looked around, yeah. They looked around and he says, what are you doing with torture? Do you agree with it? And I said, well, only in some cases. <laughs> <laughs> Before I could explain myself, I got attacked, right? Oh, I bet. And uh, I said, but look, hang on a second. Have any of you guys grown up in a dictatorship in Africa? And they all looked at me and they said, no. I said, well, like, I can't actually then explain what I mean. I'm not saying I want people to be tortured, I said, but the guy who, who ran our country 
if he was getting tortured right now, I'd probably go, yeah, carry on. Actually stick that in there too, because he's ruined 14 million people's lives through his greed and his corruption. And he doesn't give a shit. And Dude. he's tortured so many people and, and fractured so many families and so many lives. And all for a dollar. As a, I'm not advocating, I said, but I said, if I saw Mugabe getting tortured, I don't think I'd try and stop it. I'd just leave it happen. And they just looked at me and they just, but they couldn't get my head around. I wasn't saying I encourage it or think it's a good thing, but if it's going on to a particular individual like that, I would care. And that's purely based on my experience. So Nothing that's a slam else. clicker. So, so Fias, there's uh, something I was reading um, about. It might've been uh, a comedian too talking about it. Cause I love stand, stand up comedy. Cause it just relates. It's just so much craziness in the world, but it was funny because the person was like, you know how you, how you solve people. Um, you stop people from having like, like causing rape and things of that nature. They're like, well, yeah. once you catch the person, you just chop off what they're using, their equipment. Because guess what? <laughs> they can't, they can't yeah. rape anymore, really. They can't. Yeah. And they might be, you know, and then like, it was just kind of funny because it's like, there it's like, yeah, I, I think there was one country uh, in the Middle East or something like that, that I was reading and one of my friends was joking around saying, hey, this is what happens if you like one of their crimes, they actually cut off like a part of your finger. And that yeah, was yeah, like yeah. them saying like, hey, you do this again, the whole finger goes away. Uh-huh. Instead of a slap on the wrist, you know, it's like, no, you don't do it. So, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. how you guys feel, but because guess what? That would really, I, I guarantee you, if there were some people that were about to do something, they would, might think, you know, a couple times yeah, before I they actually twice. do it. Because I tell yeah. you what, man, if you rape a fucking girl, you deserve your fucking dick cut off. It's as simple as that. Absolutely. You know, it's just <laughs> or a like, child or, you know, whatever. Like it's anybody. Yeah, yeah, anybody, actually. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, fuck, I was thinking of something there. Oh, yeah, there was one other conversation I had when I lived in Toronto. Oh, I met plenty of good people. I had such a good time there. But there was just this weird... Uh, look, I get it. Man. I'm not going to judge him, but, you know, there was a girl who didn't even know what Israel was, you know? Like, she'd never left Canada. And I was like, she goes, is that a place? And I said, yeah, it is. It's wow. a country. Did she have Starbucks in her hand and then she had, like, Gucci shoes on and was like, oh, my God, now why? <laughs> yeah, and I, I remember now, we were staying at a house party. I was only in Toronto like two weeks. My buddy brought me to a house party. He's a director, so he meets, he hangs out with actors and, you know, people from the industry and whatnot. Um, this girl happens to be an actor. She was in Designated Survivor for a few seasons. I hated seeing her face, but I don't <laughs> know what you're saying. Tell us how you really feel. I was, I used to really, th- I, I thought she was cool when I first met her, but we were sitting at this table and, my mate looked up at me and he says, did you hear about that meteor that, that, that's passing Earth this week? Like, they reckon it's going to be one of the closest. Um, I was just rolling a joint and I think I looked up and went, yeah, I hope that thing hits. And I carried on. Um, <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. But I didn't explain what I meant by that. You know, because he gets me, he knows me. <clears throat> he knows I don't actually want that to happen because family, friends, you know, yeah. life. It was, a, it was a metaphorical sense of how this this planet is being ruined by the human race and you know the the idea of like thinning it out would actually help and I don't advocate that I don't let me just make that clear right now I don't encourage genocide mass extinction or anything but uh she went oh my god you're the worst human being I've ever met in my life how could you wish death and suffering on your fellow human beings and I just I just looked up and went do we live on the same planet like like, and then my mate, he looked at me and he says, but you live in Toronto. 
and she goes, so? He goes, you're using a mobile phone. Like, you've already got two slaves somewhere in the world by having that. So... Damn. <laughs> just accept it. Like, it's not that I want you to change it, because this is just the way the world is. But, like, at least know that. Don't... Do you don't even understand what he's talking about? She's like, telling me what a shitty person I was, and... Fucking da, da, da. I, I didn't even argue. I just let her go. <clears throat> she tore into me. Because uh, she, she just could, couldn't get it because her life was so comfortable and perfect. And I I completely agreed with her ideals. Like, she she wants to be nice to everyone and she wants everything, you know. Like, I think that's a nice thing to want. I think you um, just said ma the magic word right there, comfortable. Yeah. But she, she spends her time between Toronto, L.A. and New York, you know, like, as an actor. Life, the, life gonna, isn't even real to her. Yeah, she's never ever going to experience anything. It's a Hollywood. Um, and she grew up, she's from Poland, but she grew up there, you know? So she tried to use that as like, ooh, I grew up in Poland. She's probably yeah, a smoke she, show, I bet, but still, it's like, hey, you need to open up your mind. Yeah, we were just trying to explain to her, you know, we're not... Anyway, and then, um, and then he said, <laughs> you ride a subway in Toronto that's made by Bombardier. You know, do you know what those people do? Like, how they make subways? You're like, so just by riding on that subway... Someone's dying on the other side of the world as a result. Like just, just accept. Bill Burr talks about it. He's like, something has to die every day for me to live, and is that is just the way it is. The food, you eat. Anything, you yeah. know, like could be a plant. Think about that idea of something in the world. Like just by the the shoes you have, clothes you wear, uh, the laptop, the computer we're talking on. Someone somewhere is slaving to do this, so we. We that's, haven't. Do you know what I mean? Tell you what, uh, a, the Asian culture has lost a lot of lives and bled a lot of fingers for giving us stuff that at a very cheap price because of that reason. So yes, I know exactly what you're saying. Can you remember that Fox building in China that has the nets on the side of the building? Do or jump off. off? Yeah, yeah. People and the yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah, there is there is a building. I'm not really. They sure. have a right, they right. have a photo of it. It's called you said the Fox building. Yeah, I think I think it's something I have, and I need to check it out, but. Yeah, you I, mean, I mean, though, but like, they had safety nets to keep people would try to kill themselves. Yeah, it's not that I, I, I don't want to go out and change the world. It is what it is, you know, and it's it's unfair. Just but discussing about it though is important because there's some people that have no idea. It's just good to know because it makes me more, excuse me, more appreciative of the fact that I was born randomly into what I'm born into. Yeah. I don't believe it's in. it's an awareness. Yeah, you know, I had no choice in being here, and I'm here. I'm here, and. Uh, I'm aware of, like my shoes, let's see. I have this new pair of Vans I bought. Damn. Daniel? <laughs> Vietnam. Now, do you think these were made in, in beautiful, comfortable conditions? I no, don't. it's a sweatshop, probably. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just... If you had some guy in Ireland make that, it'd probably take him a couple days, maybe a week, and yeah. he would charge you probably $25 an hour to do that. Yeah, Maybe it's more. just the awareness, though, like what you said, Frank. You know, um, Brett's looking at his, his shoes now. Mine, mine, I got on an Adidas, so I already know that's somewhere in Asia. So, but it's, it's a good thing to think about. You know what I mean? I'm not going to stop buying them. Yeah, like, that's the bottom right? line. There, there um, should be some thought involved. <clears throat> so It's just, yeah, just about being mindful and thoughtful about, you know, because everyone's always having a go at me because I eat a cow. But and I'm not having to go vegans either, but... I come from Africa, that's where I grew up, and there are people there that have no choice in what they eat, Yeah. if anything. I watch two children 
pull chicken bones out of a bin and eat the bits of chicken off the fucking bones because they were so hungry. Jeez. Um, that was three, four years ago, and I was so affected by that. I watched these kids, and I had to go and buy them lunch because just, and I can't help everyone, but I was like, fuck, that's just brutal, you know? Yeah. And then I come back here, and I have a friend going, oh, my God, you're eating a burger? You're disgusting. And I'm like, yo, I'm just, I get it, but I'm not, I don't know. I, 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 too, have empathy for animals, and I'm, I'm working on that, but I don't know, man. I, I don't think I'll ever stop eating chicken. <laughs> Have you ever uh, have you tried like the the plant based uh, like burgers and sausages and things of that nature? Nah. Do you think you I ever eat, try it? I eat so many vegetables because my family we we eat this balanced diet. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, we've gone off topic. But, um, <laughs> this is what it's all about, man. We're good at it. But I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I I have this weird. I don't know. It's just sometimes I look at an animal and like, shit, that sucks. But then. Yeah, something has to die away from me with it. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. The part of me would like to become vegetarian, but then part of me is too selfish and I love eggs. I don't, I don't know. You know, it's just... <laughs> no, I, I get it, man. Eggs are... I love with, eggs. With that. I love we eggs. We do eat responsibly, though, and we, we, we don't gorge ourselves, if that helps, you know? And we, we, we don't eat, like, massive amounts of beef every week and, like, we break it up and one day we have vegetarian food in my house. And then we have chicken, you know, or maybe beef one day. I don't know. It's it's just such a complicated issue. But it's it's. I guess it's back to that thing of people not realizing that they actually have the choice to choose what they eat. And it's such a huge privilege in this world. And 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 they're getting divided and bent out of shape over a dietary choice. It's just like if you hear I'm a meat eater and you're vegan, and you really hate me. That's that tells me that you're not thinking and and you can't accept that there's a different viewpoint and just have an open that's another reason why I love Joe Rogan because he he talks to everyone he doesn't he'll interview things. anybody he navigates that so freaking well he he and it's funny because he's like look at guys I am I am I am stupid okay he's like I'm a comedian and I'm a UFC commentator he's like if you're yeah. looking at me for your political advice I'm not even paying attention he goes yeah, I, yeah. I interview these people <laughs> talk to him and I get that's how I get my perspective he's like I'm lucky to be in that position but he does a great conversation of navigating both lanes. He's like, yes, I love meat. But at the same time, I love vegetables. And then he yeah. he even had like the, the creator of, um, oh, Game Changers on. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, I, he was a professional UFC trainer. And yeah. he's one of the main advocates. Like this guy like studied like 10,000 hours of the, of the vegan-based diet. And he had him on there. And then he had somebody else who is, you know, one, a pretty good health expert. And he let them like battle back and forth. It was wild. I mean, it's like almost a three-hour podcast. I was. I'm gonna check that out tonight. Oh man, it's three hours. So make sure you're like you go on a walk or something and you digest. No, it. Man, I mean, I actually like the last. I've, I've been listening for years, but the last month since this started, I've been doing nothing but that. Like just going through Rogan stuff because um, it's not even like about him. What he has, his format, the, the guests he gets on, the shit he talks about, the stuff he lets people talk about. You know it's, what? It's I will. I become I'm, one of the greatest resources for me. I mean, I and it's, it's such a neutral, like, it's not like a, it's not like CNN or Fox or like CBS or Wall Street or New York Times. It's literally just like, they're there, they're talking about it and you can digest it however you want, but he does such a great job of navigating both lanes and keeping people on track. I mean, really his, his skill of interviewing is magnificent, I think. I agree. And um, his questioning is, is great. I'm going to send Please. you the one that uh, we talked about 
in our podcast uh, the last two days, he actually had a doctor on who was a very well-credited uh, medical doctor. And his, it's, it's, it's from March 10th. I'll, I'll send it to you. But you'll Thanks. find this very interesting because this guy basically predi- helped predict like COVID going on years was back. This the, um, Michael uh, Osterholm, I believe. Yeah, is I watched that the other day, man. That was incredible. wild. Yeah. Okay. So you already saw it. That was a really good one, and some other ones too. So yeah, it's. I don't know where we're going with this, but yeah, it's. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just went into meat for some reason, but I didn't mean to. Oh, no, it's fine, man. I mean, we talk about eating healthy, and Brett and I, like, I mean, we try. I, I eat Beyond Meat, you know, patties and burgers. I think they taste good. I like black bean burgers, too, but same time, I love turkey, too. I freaking love yeah, it. Yeah. Bison meat's good, but I'm still trying to digest the information. Um, I mean, there's just so much studies out there and information. Digest. I see recording. I still don't think I'm going to eat meat. But at the same time, I'm including, I'm trying to eat more veggies. Like I want like yeah. 80% veggies and then some meat, you know? And yeah. every once in a while, I will have a, a plant-based substitute for it because yeah. I like trying things different. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing how it is. Like there was maybe about, I think I went on like a, a very strong plant-based diet for maybe like two months. Uh-huh. And I think that for majority of the population, it's good to have that, but you know, it was weird. I didn't feel, I felt good for the first month, but after that, it, I kind of just felt droggy, but I don't know if it was because of just eating plants. Maybe it was, I wasn't getting enough sleep. I wasn't getting enough water. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. So there's a lot of variables to it. And like I said, it's a long life. And Brett made a point last night. It's like, I, he was saying like, this is my morning routine of staying healthy. And I said, is it a goal of you to do that? Like, how long is this goal? And, I'm, and he's like, no, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> Boom. So over yeah, my course yeah, yeah, of the yeah. next, you know, we'll say 30, 40, 50 years, 80 years, who knows if I live forever, probably not. But but, <laughs> but I'm trying to figure out what works for me, you know, because everybody else has a different thing. Like, let's say you can only eat meat and you feel, you feel like the best you've ever felt in your entire life. Do it. That's your body. Yeah. Go for you it. You know what I love about that, man, is you're taking individual responsibility. Yeah. So, and that is something I, mean, I think is lacking. That's what you have to do. You have to look inward because, yeah, I mean, this could go back to the social media thing where people see so many, so much stuff and what others are doing. One of my favorite quotes, I don't remember who it's from, is that comparison is the thief of joy and that so many people are, are comparing themselves to That's what, yeah, to what other people are doing and, and they're, they're always disappointed in themselves. It's like, well, you need, that's where people need to start looking inward more. And yeah, like you said, do what works for you. I mean, we're not saying like, I shared my format, I think, on the podcast last night about you started to ask, like, what was a what was a routine? Um, and I, it's it's kind of stemmed from I've taken what I've read from multiple books and I've kind of collaborated that into and I've tried different methods. I've collaborated that into what works for me, because some people may read that in the book and like, oh, that's I can't do that. That's not going to work. I'm not getting up at 5 a.m. Well, don't maybe you don't have to get up at 5 a.m. Maybe you get up at six or maybe you get up at seven and do yeah, you, don't, yeah. You, don't, you don't have to do what I do, but if you want to make some kind of change in your life, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, and like, let's, yeah. yeah My let's, girlfriend started yoga. She's never done that before. I think that's amazing. Bam! Dude, actually, you just reminded me of something. So, yoga has been one of our topics. I've been, I've been getting in a hot Bam! Yoga until this. I'm glad because it just. Dude, it's life changing, man. Firing all these I don't give it, I don't give a shit what you think. If you're a power lifter, try it. If you're a. Whatever you are, it's, it's crazy for your joints. It feels so good. Well, That's what and, she started doing now in this lockdown. You should try it, Fias. <laughs> Yoga wasn't even the wasn't even what you actually reminded me of. It was just kind of a subtitle. 
Um, but yeah, we were doing hot yoga and it's, it's a game changer. Like he was saying, you know, you have people out there that can lift all these weights and do all these things. And there's, I mean, the first time I think Henry actually invited me to yoga like a year and a half ago to this place in, in, our, in the town. It was my in. birthday two years ago and oh, yeah. they had a discount saying walk-ins were like 12 bucks or something. And which is super, like yoga is like expensive. It's like normally a good amount of money. So I was like, dude, yeah. let's try it. Like, I know you've never done it. I did it in college for a semester, but it was not really hot yoga. It was in a big gymnasium. And okay. I thought it was pretty nice. It made my joints feel good. And Brett and I are active enough. So I was like, let's try it out. So yeah. I used to try it. It's, yeah. it's, it's a little weird at first because you're just, you're, you're, your mind is trying to work on the balance and you're trying to get that muscle memory. But after your third uh-huh. time, man, you'll get this flow and your, and your heart rate. It's very calming and enlightening for your mind and body. And hot wow. yoga was wild too because, I mean, Brett and I like, I mean, I'll just stop saying that we work out and stuff. Let's just say we did hot yoga and dude, you're, you're gassed after. Like, you're like, I am tired as hell. I felt like I just got done lifting weights for 35 minutes straight. It's wow. unbelievable. It just yeah. goes to show that your body gets used to whatever you do and, and instilling those changes are, is, is ultimately healthy. Not just, a, not just a physical thing, but a mental thing. Um, this is so true because my little brother – the one who's living here right now with me, he started exercising his, in his bedroom about a month ago. And yesterday he said, hmm, I noticed today it's actually way easier. Yeah. And, and more enjoyable. Mood but it's because he's stuck with it for the whole month, you know? Mood improves, energy improves, confidence improves. And you're just, you're showing yourself that you can do something you didn't think you could. I mean, and I think even to back up from the, the barrier of, well, that mental barrier for a lot of people that not only is it challenging, but even for people to get in there, because it's, it's certainly known as a female dominated activity. Yes. Yeah. 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 And yeah, that was honestly, that was one of the first things I thought. And we go in there and I think we were the only two guys in there and people were worried about, again, what, what, what are people going to think of me? Are these girls, are these people going to think I'm gay or I mean, fuck it, it? Just do it, man. Yeah. Just do it and go and enjoy it. Come on, Dude, press play and get in there. Come on now. Let's get after it. Like, think, who cares? Let's I think, go. I think the coffee just hit Henry. <laughs> Woo! That's all I got to say. I just finished my cup. You're going to blow out his eardrums. My bad. But no, I he listens to crazy. Uh, Come on. My voice is nowhere close to like. Don't you suppress yourself ever. Yeah. <laughs> Land it all out, baby. The worst thing yeah. is to hold that shit in. Come on. Okay. Man, I'm good. Girls, no, I mean. With that being said, I got to take a piss. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, I mean, I was on multiple occasions. I would go to this yoga class, and I would be I would be the only one in the the only male in the class. Yeah, but that's like what he said. It's not it's not just a physical challenge for people. I think a lot of it is a lot of yoga is meant to be. I'm actually I'm actually like halfway through a. Um, I wish I could remember the name of the book right now by a guy named uh, Baron Baptist. And Baron Baptist. He's it's a. It's a lot about the mental benefits of yoga um and i think that's where a lot of people need to disconnect from those insecurities i guess that they have about what are people going to think about me when i do yoga um because once you, know you that, actually um, you know the lecture i mentioned simon uh hold on don't tell me let's see if i wrote it down simon rainsford yes yeah. he told me once man and i'll let you get back to it but it applies to this uh and it was to do my work at the time but it's actually he ended up saying it applies to life, but what people think of you or your work is none of your business. 
Absolutely not. Um, and when I f- truly first understood that and put it into practice, it was fucking liberating, you know? And what I love about what he said, that what other people think about you is none of your business, is that that puts things back in your control, ultimately. Because people yeah, like to act like... especially if you're not hurting anyone or being a dick, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, having, having ethics and morals about what you're doing. Um, and that's the biggest thing. People get all bent out of shape about stuff that really it doesn't affect them. Like, why do you care... If you like what if you like what I'm doing, cool. If you don't, then go do what you like. <laughs> yeah, what's with the moral outrage? You know, um, our architects has a great lyric in a recent record. Uh, We're all up in arms without lifting a finger. And I think that's a great uh, line for what you just said. Yeah, absolutely. Um, unless you got something else to say with that, I had this. I've had this book sitting in front of me for the last few minutes. I got up. This is this is circling way back to the wild child thing but i think it relates uh-huh. i think you're going to be able to resonate i'm going to read if you're cool with it i'm going to read like two ch- two, oh, paragra- two paragraphs out of here so just for people that are listening have an idea the book that i'm referencing is the 5 a.m club by robin sharma it's a book that i actually just finished this morning um i've been reading it every morning after i get up at five and do do some exercise but kind of the there's four main characters in the book there's an artist an entrepreneur and those two people attended a conference by the character in the book called the Spellbinder. And the Spellbinder was a mentor to the guy who's referred to as, as the billionaire or as the, uh, his name is Stone Riley in the book. Um, so anyway, I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs that stick out to specifically what we're talking about. And it deals a little bit with, with art. So, uh, Fies, I think, right you can, I think you could definitely reson- resonate with it. Lay it on me. <laughs> The guy says, life is beautiful. Don't miss out on all of its awesomeness and incredibleness. It's there for you no matter what you might be going through. See, we all live on borrowed time, and life does whiz by so quickly. You two cats will be old before you know it, probably hanging out with a hundred grandchildren. Anywho, Mr. Riley spoke in a whisper. Utopia, Shangri-La, Nirvana, and Heaven on Earth are just names for a state of being, not a place of visiting. Mm. You enter the magic of life and begin to experience outright bliss daily once you reclaim the inherent power that lurks in your core. And when you don't postpone being grateful for the tiniest of everyday graces, you'll become a magnet for miracles when you begin being a magician of sorts. Woo! The the billionaire's getting into some pretty mystical and far-out territory now, thought the entrepreneur. Heaven on earth, recited the industrialist, which is another term for for the billionaire. My life is generally a steady stream of beauty, you know? And I've discovered this has little to do with having a lot of money. It has more to do with finding fulfillment in the smallest of things. The way the fire warmed me and inspired me last evening, for example. It has to do with spending a lot of time in nature, whether that's in the vineyards like these, he said, pointing an index finger across the wine farms that fill the valley, or on walks in a forest, or hiking in the mountains, or being near the sea, or drifting through the sands of a barren desert. It has to do with reconnecting to the awe, wonder, and majesty that every human life has available to it by visiting art galleries frequently and letting the energy and genius of the creators infuse your mindset, heart set, health set, and soul set. It has to do with eating fresh food, simply prepared with interesting, real, thoughtful, creative, and compassionate people who make you feel good. Stepping into the magic also has a lot to do with saying goodbye to your past, embracing the present, and making a return to the imaginativeness innocence, exuberance, and lovingness you were intimate with when you were a child. 
Adults are deteriorated children. Heaven on earth shows up naturally in your heart when you have the brilliance and bravery to start opening it up again, like you did when you were little. Picasso once said, It took me four years to paint like Raphael, but a lifetime to paint like a child, contributed the artist energetically. I'd agree that getting back to being more innocent brings the magic back to our lives. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> I got chills. So a couple, you can yeah. see like when I go through this book and Henry asked me about it one time, I have some things underlined and things highlighted. And one, yeah, of, the, yeah. one of the things, one of the one liners in there that I actually highlighted was adults are deteriorated children. So yes. that part specifically, I think resonated a lot with the wild child thing. And then as far as your arts, artistic side where, you know, Picasso said that it took me four years to paint like Raphael, but a lifetime to paint like a child. I mean, that's, to me, that stuff's pretty inspirational. And that's just, that's, that's just, incredible. I mean, the clarity, yeah. the clarity. And yeah, I mean, I, when we talk about artistic ability and, and everything is an art form, I mean, authors, I mean, that's a whole nother form of, of art to me. Am I mind blowing that? So. I, anyway. uh, Jesus, that's amazing. That's, I need to get that book. I'm reading one called uh, Why Do We Sleep right now. It's, it's taking me ages to read because I'm so shit at reading. But uh, <laughs> hey, you gotta start somewhere. It's called Why Do We Sleep. It's by Matthew Walker. Matthew Walker. And the reason I'm reading it is uh, Tom York from Radiohead, who's a huge inspiration of mine. Um, Great he was he was discussing uh, this book. Because he was working on um, one of his solo records, uh, I just you just need to get it and read it. And yeah, I just wrote it explain. down. So I mean, I yeah. order books. I take all the recommendations I can get. Um, and another one, bullshit jobs. Bullshit jobs. <laughs> it's by David Graeber, and that's spelled G R A E B E R. G R A E G E R. G R A E B E R. Yeah. B E R. Got it. David Graeber. Yeah, it's a really interesting um, analysis on how nearly fifty-five percent of all the jobs that we have on this planet are completely worthless and pointless, and are actually killing the human spirit. Um, have you Have you read that book? I'm halfway through it. Okay. It's heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy. You know. Yeah, it takes a little t- um, a little while to digest. Um, but it, he makes a really good point and it wakes people up well I hope it does for, for me it's just like an encouragement for what I chose to do which was just live instead of like chasing a fucking um, let's just call it a carrot you know <laughs> uh, yep because uh, when I left college I thought I wanted to be a designer and I wanted to work in a fucking fancy design studio and get a apartment in Dublin and get married and pop a couple kids out yeah and then it was all bullshit when um when I when I was in the job a year I was like fucking I hate this there's creativity on tap I had to get in at 9am and then my boss would, once you get your coffee you sit down at your desk she comes over sticks a metaphorical vacuum on your brain and then by 1pm you've got to have like all this shit created and done and it's just for me there was plenty of people in there that could do it man I couldn't you know like it was some people like could just like, amazing at it. Fucking bang, 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 bang. Well, me, I just couldn't. Um, so I had to answer what was in me, and I, I realized I didn't fit into that. Yeah, so that, uh, that mold, know, I, so to I, speak. I, I, she offered me a job for life, and I left. 
I mean, uh, ultimately, there's there's kind of in my mind, there's three variables that that have to be true in order for for somebody to be successful in whatever they do, and that has to be that one, you're passionate about it, two, you're good at it, and three, you can make a living doing it. Yeah. And for some people, there might they might have to pursue multiple endeavors to to make all three of those things come true. But I think that's the ultimate the ultimate goal, especially like you said, if that statistic is true, or 55 percent of jobs are are bullshit and a waste of time. The power is in the people, man. And the people, like, let's say everybody, like, sees a job that, hey, pays you $95,000 a year, but everybody's like, this is, like, slave work or the working conditions suck and the owners yeah, suck. Yeah. And let's say everybody just left the company. The company would be like, well, I guess we have to fix our ways. But only if one person or two person leaves a the company, then they're like, oh, people will endure this, you know? But if everybody really gets in the same mindset, like, hey, we need these owners in big corporations to treat us right, then they yeah. kind of have to, you know, powers in the powers in the massive. We all get on the same page. It will happen. And it's like every time you purchase something, you're technically voting. If you think about it, because uh-huh. they know what you're uh-huh. buying. They know. So if you're buying a lot of, let's say, eco-friendly goods, all these corporations are like, hey, we're not making any money because people are trying to buy these other goods that are more sustainable. Well, guess yeah. what? Those companies, you start noticing, will now start making more sustainable acts. So exactly, just some two and cents. that goes right back to what we started about when you change yourself, you change the world, doesn't it? Boom! It's all connected, yeah. full, full circle. Um, there's a there's a great piece on my favorite comedian uh, Doug Stanhope, and it's called "Don't Work Too Hard." And uh, you know, Doug is always the way he phrases things it's, can be shocking or offensive, or you know, but when you actually delve into the the piece when he talks about it. He's explaining, like, don't fucking while away your life under fluorescent light bulbs, alphabetizing insurance forms. He's like, what is that? You know, you're, oh, I'm doing ABCDE, I'm getting a lot done, but uh, my life's just pissing away. And he's like, no, you need to be doing things like hard work, good work, you know, like fucking learning how to play the acoustic guitar or building something or like what you do, like flying a plane or something. You know, these, these are things that are. Just so much. Like when I worked in a call center in California when I was 24, for uh, just to get some money to survive, because I was working as a furniture removalist, um, which is one of the best jobs I've ever had, by the way, without a doubt. Like to this day, one of my favorite jobs. Like just the call center. Driving. No, no, the furniture removal. Oh. Like driving around California at 24, first time there. Getting to look in people's houses. <laughs> seeing the entire state everything from a Jewish cat lady in LA in an apartment to a wine like a wine mogul up in San Francisco I mean it was just it was one of the best experiences of my life sounds very nice I met so many different I actually think that job was pivotal in my in my growth as a human being because I we went to this art dealer in the hills in LA and she gave me a $400 tip that day but that was aside from the fact I was moving these million dollar paintings for her, you know. And I think he told us. Move. I don't know if he. No, he did not tell us. I what thought you told time. us about how this lady wanted to give you something that she didn't know the value of it. Weren't you telling us something like this? There was a lady that wanted to give you something that had a lot of value, and she either didn't know its value or didn't care because it was her husband's who died or something. Yeah. I'd be thinking of something completely different. I don't know, but yeah, I don't remember that. But. uh... <clears throat> This woman stuck in my mind because I've always had a, a love relationship with California in general, just the idea of it. You know, because nice I grew place. up a lot. 
I grew up on a lot of Californian music, watched a lot of, like, you know, like Deftones, they're from Sacramento, and, you know, I even wore my socks, like, like Stephen from Deftones, that's why I wear the Cholo socks, you know, up to my, <laughs> people here don't understand me, they're like, what the hell are you wearing white socks for? But it's like, it's, it's inspired and influenced by Stephen from Deftones and living in California where I could pull my white socks up. And no one looked at me twice, you know? So yeah, I, I've, I've always worn them ever since then. But, uh, so I've always had this fascination with LA. Um, this is my first time there. We went to this hill, this house in the hills. It was this huge mountain. This one was like some kind of art dealer or something. It was one of those fancy houses you see in movies and shit, you know? Yeah, like a legit mansion. And here I am walking around it. And I walked in and I had these, these sideburns that started here, down to here. And <laughs> And, uh, she and thought Mohawk, you said? Yeah, she thought I was Mexican. <laughs> and she went, and she said to my supervisor, she goes, oh my God, is, is, he, is he okay in here? You know, like she was just like, completely disconnected from everything. And obviously saw Mexicans as whatever. And he went, he's fine. It's this guy called Lester from Maryland. He was my supervisor. He's a big fat guy. I loved him. Man. But he, uh, he's fine. He's from Ireland. His mother's Indian. And she just like her eyes lit up because she heard the Irish bit. And next thing she was showing me all this waterfall crystals and stuff that she got from Ireland. Isn't that crazy? Right there though, it just a connection. Oh yeah. Oh boom. oh, he's from Ireland. I can trust him now. Like what? Yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> just complete like boom. And anyway, she throughout the day she's watching me. Uh, and I I come from art college. I'd really done my first year, so I was already working with you know materials and whatnot. And I treated all our paintings just right and just you know and I was very meticulous because I went. That's one thing, I, I work in a mess, but when I work, my attention to detail is like, it's very precise, you know? But everything around me, like if I can show you my desk right now, it's just a mess. But when it comes to work, it's it's focused. And, it makes and, sense uh, to you, and that's all that matters. Yeah, when I finished, she looked at me and she goes, I just love the way you handle my paintings. You're just, you're so delicate, and you, you looked after everything, and I love your smile. And She sounds like she's single and ready to mingle. And she handed me four hundred dollars, man. And I just went, "Whoa, what?" I said, "This is a bit much." She goes, "No, please, you've earned it." And I like, went and bought a fucking huge bag of weed that night. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, brother! Hell yeah! Well, well, we were traveling from college, man. We were over on a student visa in California. Yeah, shit. You know, the first thing I got home I was like, "Gary, I got a four hundred buck tip, man. Let's go buy some weed and get wasted." You know, and it's exactly what we did. And that summer was actually in. It was a huge turning point in my existence it, I grew exponentially that summer um, it's it's interesting all the 2004 <clears throat> all the inspirations and, and influences amazing <clears throat> no smartphones yet we had the brick kind of Nokia things and I just didn't bother with them so I would call my mother once a week from a payphone and no one worried no one checked on me we did some of the most insane things which I'm not going to talk about on here but um, <laughs> off the record yeah, a few times I nearly died. You know, I was just, it was just a, uh, I was nearly arrested. I was just a crazy fucking time. <laughs> I was in handcuffs, like, um, that happens. One night, I got caught smoking a joint on the beach in Santa Barbara. And this cop followed us down there. You know those, on the coast, they have those stairwells that go down the cliff? Yeah. Like, it takes you nearly 10 minutes, you know? We were all the way down one of those on the beach in Santa Barbara, and this cop must have followed us down and as I lit it he jumped around the court what are you guys doing here you smoking dope and I just freaked out whoa and I just dropped the thing and my 
and, and uh, they grabbed me and threw me on a rock and fucking handcuffed me. And it was just ridiculous. You know, you're, like, me on the ground. you're like, bro, just take a hit. Calm down. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he's shining a flashlight in my face, and I'm just freaking out because I'm oh crap, i got to call my mom now and tell her I'm in jail. And, uh, and he's lecturing me about like how it's illegal. And, and I'm just sitting looking at the ground on the beach, just... What do I do? What do I do? What am I going to do? And then he, he's gone through my wallet and Jesus, I'm deviating again. But uh, it's kind of a funny story. And he's, it actually goes back to that, that art moment. But he's, he's gone to my wallet and he finds my student card. He's like, where, where, where are you guys from? And I was like, I'm from Ireland. Oh, really? And he's stand up. Like, what are you doing here? And I explain we're a student. And just, you know, okay. So he looks at his partner. And, he, and I have actually got, like, cut lip, you know, because they threw me on the rock so hard. Yeah, damn. Uh, he's like, turn around, and they had him take my cuffs off and pick that joint up. And I picked it up. Now I'm not joking. It was about this size. <laughs> pick that joint. Foot long. And he looked at me and he went, ah, "These college kids." And he goes, "Where'd you get that from?" And I said, ah, "Some dude, man." He goes, "Don't mess me." And I said, "I don't know where I got it from. It was just some guy offered it to me, and I bought it off him." I wasn't going to tell him who I got yeah, it from. Yeah, you know? somebody. Yeah. So he's like. Break it up. And I was like, what, really? And he goes, don't even get cheeky with me. So I just like, broke it up. Don't get and cheeky goes, with me. <laughs> I love that. And here's the weird part, right? So the flashlight's still in my eyes. He's way taller than me. And then this hand comes up of the dark. And I, I, looked at it, and I looked at my friend and Gary said, shake his hand, man. So I, I shook his hand and he goes, thanks for choosing America to come work in, son. We... We know the world really hates us right now because of our president. I think it was Bush at the time. He goes, and, you know, you guys are coming over here and you're contributing to the economy and you're working and yeah. And he's like, we love you Irish guys. It's just, you know, you, you just you just you say no to drugs. You know, you leave that phone in your home. Right? You guys have a good night. And he shook my hand again. I was like, right, thanks, man. And he, he waved and they walked off. Like it was this <laughs> day, and I just I'm like, well, what just happened? I looked at Gary and Gary's like, I don't know, man. And Gary looked down and he goes, look at this, and he moved his foot. And he had a cigarette box with 10 joints in it. <laughs> and he'd been standing on the whole time. <laughs> he knew what was going on. And he, and he just took it out, lit it up, and we walked off. I was shaking like a leaf. That's, now, that's right? epic. Holy fuck. And two days later, the same cop called me pissing on a police station. <laughs> pissing on what? <laughs> on the back of a cop station. <laughs> I didn't know it was a police station. I didn't know. I just needed to piss. So right. I ran behind this building and I'm, I'm standing pissing. This door opens and I'm trying to like zip up and I turn around. It's the same guy and I went, uh, and he looks at me. He goes, "You again?" And I just said, "Yeah. Um, what are you doing back here?" Uh, I look for my uncle. And he, <laughs> Wait, that's what you said? <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Because uh, my fuck? uncle was over from Florida visiting, but he just hadn't met me yet. And uh, I was going to meet him by that day. It was the first thing in my head. And he goes, well, he wouldn't be parking back here. Well, why not? He goes, look behind you. And I see cop cars. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I said, so what were you doing back here? So I told you, looking for my uncle. He goes, what the fuck is that? And I looked again. It was this big stream of piss behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I got bored. I had a pee. <laughs> and I said, all right, you got me. He goes, all right, now fuck off. Fuck off. And I got my... I've got my eye on you, and you watch me run across the street. It was in Isla Vista, outside of Santa Barbara, this small uh, college town by UCSB. And then I met him again a third time. Jeez, two dude. Week, two weeks later, 
when I had gotten a Mohawk and I was off to work. And the furniture removal place is just outside of Isla Vista and I got such a beautiful part of the country, man. And I'm cycling to work at 7 a.m. and this cop car stops me and pull me over and, and I shit you not. He gets out the car and he goes, it's the same fucking guy. And I said, you again. And he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to work. He goes, oh, sorry, look, we just, we stopped you because we've heard reports of Mexicans breaking in around here. And I just saw you seem no Mexican, is it? You want, we had this short little interchange and he goes, all right, go and fuck off. I say, I gotta go work, man. And I just, you know, cycled off. <laughs> That's wild to run into the same person. They were times. just, they were just bored cops who yeah. police the college town, I think. You know, and just, uh, they probably ran a know, bunch of kids like for, that. Yeah. yeah. Just look for opportunities anywhere they could, you know? Breaking up house parties and um, was he crazy, younger or crazy. older? I went to work one day on mushrooms. You know, uh, you know. I took it. Take care of that. Uh, all and you'll be we fine. We had work. We had work at seven a.m. and we took them at four a.m. Like, what the hell are we thinking? You know. Uh, I said, "I'll just wear my sunglasses. It'll be fine." <laughs> it wasn't fine at all. Oh, like, no. I was standing in the back in the getting the briefing because they brief you where we're all going for the day and um, <clears throat> I was thankfully I was with Lester the guy I mentioned because he was like he looked after me this man but uh, we got in the car and he goes what the fuck are you on and I just looked at him and just mushrooms and goes, it's uh, my gig is Whoa. to move a 900 pound safe oh like, shit <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever tripped on mushrooms but trying to move a 900 pound safe it's just it's just not gonna happen, you know. Like I was walking around afraid, and I've got the dolly, and I'm trying to move it, and I just couldn't do anything. And he looked at me, he goes, "Just fucking go home, kid." Just go. <laughs> well, it really. I'm still, wearing, I'm still wearing the sunglasses on the job, you know. Like, it really sounds like a lot of these, like that cop and that particular guy, were pretty, were pretty gracious with you. I mean, things, I think so too. Man. Things could have really been a whole lot worse, you know. And it, it was partly to do with how I, how I would. Uh, like, I didn't react badly, you know. Like when he, yeah, when you he didn't have a, me, you didn't actually have a bad thinking. attitude. You were just being a realist with him. My, my mom told me success in life is more attitude than aptitude. Damn, I like that. Your mom did. Yeah, so I try to implement that in situations like that because the way I approach it, attitude-wise, will determine the outcome. Do you know? If I'm an asshole, then I come. Whether I like cops or not, he has the power to fucking be complete dick to me if he wants. So exactly, a couple more things that I wrote down that I or I actually didn't write them down. But when you talked about um, one of the books you mentioned was something about working hard or don't work so hard. Is that what you said? Yeah, don't work too hard. Don't work too hard. So two two axioms, I guess. I don't even. Because you die in the word. end. Exactly. That's, what, that's his. I, that's that's his whole dude, point. There's Every, a couple rap songs that say, "Hey, man." He goes, we don't make it out of the end. Fucking enjoy it. Every time, yeah. I forget when the last, you were you were there when the last time I said this, but somebody was complaining Probably. about, <laughs> I don't know if it was my mom or my dad or who I was talking to. Somebody was complaining about something over the phone and Henry was there. And literally, the, I just let him finish what they were saying and I was like, literally, all I said is, one day you're going you're gonna to be dead. And I'm just like, my point is, that's all I said, but my point obviously is like, and, and hopefully it's opening to them, like, yeah, you're right. Why the hell am I getting so bent out of shape about this? Yeah, use this knowledge and do something positive. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. 
But the two things I was going to say was, you know, something that everybody's heard is work smarter, not harder. Yes, and absolutely. The other one is, which I, I actually like a little more, is from our buddy uh, Jonathan Pereira, who's also been a guest on the podcast. Um, he said, I want to say it slow so I don't mess it up. But this is on our trip in Montana, and we were just sitting around BS. I think it might he might have said it on the podcast. He said, "Build a build a life that you love, with a and find it with a career that supports it, and not the other way around." That's great, man. Yeah, so that's some good stuff. But yeah, and then vice versa. I think I think another way you said it was like, yeah, find a career that supports your lifestyle. Yeah, because when I mentioned like you all die in the end to people. I want to say more often than not it's perceived as negative it's perceived as negative they always look at me and go why would you say that oh that's horrible I'm like no it's meant to spark a thought and you go oh shit fuck maybe I need to take advantage of this Uh, maybe it's horrible maybe it's not it's about your perspective I mean but in the end it's the reality (laughs) it's supposed supposed to wake you up yeah absolutely um, and it's a good thing because if you know that then why would you waste this time especially if you're healthy especially if you have all your limbs, even if you're not, like, you're still alive. And you and I, we're talking over this, we're sitting in very comfortable surroundings, and I don't have to worry about where my meal's coming tonight, and I don't have a bomb dropping on me. And so I'm going to live this as best I can for them and for myself, you know? Like, it's, because it's unfair. I don't believe that any of us get a choice in being where we are, so I want a lot of your life just by being born into what I'm born into. I get a fucking passport I can move around the world with. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. That's something, like you said, the fact that some of the things that you heard of in Zimbabwe came from word of mouth, that, I mean, just that that's powerful. And now that we can freely, well, obviously not right now, but freely and on our own accord in most occasions, we can travel wherever the hell we want. Yeah, man. I have friends that can't because of the passport they have. You know? They need to apply for this visa and that one and then fill this form out and whereas I can go, I don't want to go there. Book the flight, go, I've got to deal with a little bit of immigration and then I'm through. Yeah, you just do it. Well, man, I got to, uh, we could obviously keep going and going and going and there's no doubt that we're going to do another episode. Yeah, we'll do another one, yeah. I was just going to say. <laughs> this is good. I gotta, this, was, this, was, this is good. I do got to take the dog on a walk and do some other stuff, so. <laughs> Same here. Yeah, my bed's, my bed's still not made. I'm looking out here. Oh, you piece of yeah. shit. <laughs> it's just shit. It's just shit everywhere. I'm, I'm probably going to do a bit of that at some point. There you go. Um, yeah, there you go. I'm playing The Walking Dead at the moment. They have a video game? No, the, the interactive one. I don't know if you ever heard of that. It's like an interactive movie, but you do little actions and you choose different responses and the story kind of convolutes as a result. It's really, really good. Interesting. Um, and the story is amazing. The writing is incredible. And the voice acting is, and the animation is top notch. And plus, I just like, I just like that world. I love rural Georgia. I love. It, it turned to crap that show, but the first six seasons are immaculate, and I love them. Enjoy um, what you it's, can. It's a masterclass in in filmmaking, and they never got a look in because it's a horror show, you know. But uh, anyway, guys, it's been good. Yeah, hi, guys. Love you, man. Thank you. I gotta answer this corporation call. <laughs> All right, dude. Have a good day. He whipped out the laptop. It's time for him to get to work. And what is this?
Got to take the dog on a walk. So yeah, man, as always, it's been a pleasure. And just for everybody, thanks, friend. Thanks, thanks. Just for everybody listening, uh, just to reintroduce Fias Ferrelli, that's currently residing in Ireland, Dublin, correct? Or is it a? Uh, just north of Dublin, yeah. Just north of Close Dublin. Enough. So, um, like we said, we're definitely going to get you back on here. Always a good conversation. So glad we could make it work out this morning. And, yeah, thanks, man. It's been inspiring too. All that stuff you told me. Yeah, I mean, there's that. The, what I read out of the book is just a small portion. I, I'm literally, I'll just be sitting there reading some mornings. I'm like, wow, that's 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 some inspirational information. Not enough people read. And what time do you go to bed before we go? Um, normally, I've been trying to be in bed by nine. And there's been nights where even Henry, he's he's normally a night owl, and he's like, I sh- I went in there and shut my door. Normally, I'll I'll read and I'll disconnect from my phone, which is a whole nother topic we had got into before is disconnecting from your devices, especially at the beginning and end of your day. Yeah. Um, but I would usually try to set my phone aside at least an hour before I intend to go to sleep. And then I would read for at least 30 minutes. Um, but yeah, normally I'm in bed by nine. Um, last okay. night was, last night was different cause we got that podcast going. So that was 10. And yeah, I mean, we can talk about this on another episode too. Cause it would, it's just, a, it's my whole morning routine. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. <clears throat> but, but yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. You commit to it and you do it. I, I appreciate the kind words, man. For sure. So For all the inspiration. All right, dude. Well, uh, whenever Henry gets time, as he said, he obviously edits these podcasts and I'll post something on Instagram. So um, I have a screen. I have a photo that we saved on his phone from uh, from this podcast earlier. So we'll cool. get some things going and enjoy your day, man. And we'll look forward to talking to you again. Likewise, man. You have a good one. Later. All right. Peace.